1: 7
2: isn't it? Well, uh, hello. I'm glad everyone is happy and talking to each other, but it is seven o'clock and it is time for our city commission business meeting for june 21st 2022 so i'm officially calling this business meeting to order uh we'll ask our good clerk to please call the roll
0: commissioner decker present commissioner hess present, present. commissioner hoffman present commissioner Juarez, present, present. commissioner Pradle. present. vice mayor cooney present mayor anderson here
2: Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Clerk Moss, I appreciate it. So once again, I wanna thank everybody for being here in our commission chambers this evening. I wanna remind folks that we will have an opportunity uh, coming up for public comment and there will be an opportunity to call in. We'll be uh, providing some instructions on that when we get to that time on our agenda. So for our opening ceremony, we have Rabbi Simone Schichter. I hope I'm saying that right. Shikr, thank you, Uh, from Temple B'nai Israel to give the invocation. Please rise for the invocation and remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance.
3: We gather this evening in this sacred space where the business of our city is accomplished, where the people of our city are heard, and where our elected officials hold space. As diverse members of a community, it is in this space where we come together with the same goal, a goal that our city hold the well-being of the residents of our city as a priority. Resolutions have been passed in this space that need to be heated, and we turn to the leaders of many different kinds in our community to help our elected officials fulfill their responsibilities to the current and future residents of our city. May our elected officials hold the safety and well-being of all residents as paramount. May our elected officials govern wisely with the money placed in their care. May our elected officials see the diversity amongst themselves and amongst the residents of our city, embracing and celebrating it. This week, the Jewish community is reading from the Book of Numbers and reading specifically of the 12 spies that are sent into the Promised Land. Only two of the 12 return with a positive report. The others are fearful of the residents of the land, people and animal alike. We read this story as an example of people being unable to see success through struggle. Our city as so many do needs to see what the future will hold and work towards building a place of safety for all who call it home. This requires compromise and it requires a willingness to reach across lines of difference. As the business of the city is ongoing we ask our elected officials and all those who speak on behalf of themselves and our community to remember the benefits of compromise of active listening, and of recognizing the impact each individual can have for the good of our city. May each member of this commission be blessed in their work, in their coming, and in their going. Thank you. you.
2: I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic
3: for which it stands, one nation under
2: God, God, indivisible,
4: with liberty and
5: justice for all.
2: Thank you very much for that invocation. I appreciate that Uh, It's a good way to start our meeting. Commissioners, you have before you the agenda for tonight's meeting. Are there any changes you'd like to see? Vice Mayor Cooney.
6: Thank you, Mayor. Um, I would like to add an item on new business um, and I would like to make it a discussion. About next steps to stopping violence in the community.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Vice Mayor Cooney. Anything else from commissioners? Is there anyone in the audience? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Deputy City. Manager Lamb.
7: Thank you, Mayor. We do have one addition um, from the administration. I'd like to add uh, item H-4 to the regular agenda. You up here have both the agenda report and the resolution. This is adoption of a notice of intent uh, resolution for the issuance of 2022 capital improvement bonds in the amount not to exceed $18 million. I'll certainly provide more background when we get to that item.
2: Thank you very much, DCM Lamb. See nothing else from commissioners administration. Is there anyone in the chambers that would like uh, an item moved on tonight's agenda? So this is item uh, G12 under the consent agenda will be moved to the regular agenda. Thank you so much. Next is communications Deputy City Manager Lamb.
7: Yes, I would like to ask uh, Chief Coakley to come forward to make an introduction of our new emergency manager, Brandy Janes.
2: Welcome Chief.
8: Good evening leadership. Thank you, Mayor DCM Lamb. Vice mayor, commissioners, I have good communications for you tonight. I'd like to introduce our emergency preparedness and resource resource manager, Brandy Janes. Community, Miss Janes brings with her 23 years of experience of emergency preparedness to this position. Brandy was born in Michigan but has lived in South Louisiana most of her life. She recently moved to Kalamazoo from Baton Rouge area to accept this position. She enjoys reading, hiking, observing arts in her free time. We are excited as the city of Kalamazoo, public safety, and as the leadership knows, this, this position has been critical to the infrastructure of our city. We're excited to have Miss James aboard. When with that, I'll let her speak on her experience. Miss James.
9: Good evening. Um, As he said, my name is Brandy James. Um, I originally am from Michigan, but I have lived in South Louisiana for the last 40 years. Um, I began working with Louisiana State Police in 1999 and uh, the last six years of which, I was there 11 years, but the last six years of which were in counterterrorism intelligence. Uh, I then went to work for the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. Again, I was counterterrorism, terrorism uh, where we did threat assessments, risk assessments, uh, those sort of things. And then in 2012, I was offered the position of Deputy Director of the Livingston Parish Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. For those of you that don't know, uh, Louisiana has parishes where the rest of the country has counties, so it was at the county level. And um, in, I believe, 2019, 2018 or 2019, I was given the role as director when the, my predecessor retired, and um, so I've been doing that until I uh, accepted this position here. I have worked almost every disaster that has affected Louisiana or South Louisiana at the majority of since 1999. That includes the breakup of the space shuttle Columbia, where we had to go out and find the pieces and put all of that together. Um, I worked Katrina. And uh, just in my time in Livingston Parish, we had two major floods in 2016, where 75 to, no, I'm sorry, 85 to 90% of the entire parish flooded. So I have experience with that. And um, multiple, I can't, even, I can't even describe how many hurricanes <laughs> we've, we've worked. Um, in my last year there, we had five hurricanes come straight at us back to back, and it was maybe a week down in between, two weeks maybe. So um, that's the experience I come with. As uh, the chief said, it's very important for um, cities and towns to have an emergency manager. Uh, Everybody knows that disasters start locally and then progress from there and so it's best to to have as many resources and plans in place at the local level and so those are some of my first um, tasks for myself is to go out and build relationships with um, other local agencies, state agencies, um federal agencies as well as community organizations um, and volunteer organizations so that we can all work together to serve this community the best that we can and um, i plan on putting together a committee to do an emergency operation plan for the city of kalamazoo and uh, once we get there we'll we'll also create lists of resources that we have that the county can provide for us and that we would also need to go to the state for and so those those are my plans for my first probably 90 days so, thank you. Are there any questions?
2: Questions, commissioners?
4: No no question. Just welcome.
9: Thank you very thank much. Thank you for Are being everyone... here. Yes. Yes, everyone's been very nice. So, yeah, I appreciate uh chief
2: that we have uh been able to uh have the opportunity to have expertise like this here at the city level. It's so important. I appreciate your focus on that very very much. Can't tell you how much. The uh, interesting job of emergency planning is the idea of planning for things that you hope will never happen. So uh, that, that means that uh, you have to be very intentional and very focused. Yes, and a, at the same time, uh, success uh, ultimately is hopefully being prepared but, but not having uh, disastrous situations happen. So I appreciate your effort and work and this addition to our department. Anything else, Deputy City Manager Lamb?
7: Just also wanted to extend a welcome. I had a chance to meet uh, Brandy during the interview process. I think I've been sleeping more soundly ever since. Uh, (laughs) I'm so excited about you joining the team and so excited to see what you do with public safety. So welcome. All right,
9: thank you.
2: Thank you very much, welcome.
7: Thank
9: you, Chief.
2: Thank you, Mayor. So now is the opportunity for general public comments. So speakers will each have three minutes for their comments. Uh, Please, uh, we will start with folks who are here in the chambers, please state your name, whether you live in the city, you will have an opportunity to sign in at the sign in sheet as well. But I just wanna make sure that folks know that once people in the chamber have spoken, there will be an opportunity to provide comments via calling in, that's being managed by our deputy city manager, Chamberlain, the number that you should call is 888-382-9556. And you can start calling that number now, if you would like. Uh, now, is there anyone in the audience who would like to make a comment or in the chambers this evening?
10: Hello, my name is Sharon Deaver. I live in the Vine neighborhood in the city of Kalamazoo. I just wanted to quickly mention that I hope the public is aware, but if they are not, um, we are volunteers for Rank My Vote are attempting to have that on the ballot for November. Um, There are volunteers that are every week are at the farmer's market, so I hope that If citizens are interested, they can go and talk to people that are interested in um, that know more about that. And you can also look up information at rank my vote um, with MI for Michigan in there. Um, That is all right now. Thanks.
2: Thank you. Next, please.
11: I am Jane Fisher-Lang, live on South Burdick, and have been visiting Asylum Lake at the Winchell Road entrance since 1985 until now, because parking is no longer allowed. This whole disaster would not have happened if someone in city planning was a bird watcher, or if anyone who actually uses and values the entrance to this habitat were allowed in, in on the process. Kalamazoo's own chapter of the Audubon Society has hosted birding trips to Asylum Lake from the Winchell entrance. Cornell University sponsors a massive website that chronicles citizen bird sightings for the university's research. Asylum Lake is listed as a birding hotspot. When I ran into other birders during spring migration and they shared their Asylum Lake sightings, I asked where they parked. Out came the frustration over what the city had done. Most had to park inside the shelter point neighborhood and no one understood the change. Those of us who've been coming to asylum Lake for decades, place the value of the Winchell entrance here and the value of a bike path at this part of the street down here. It is the dead end of the street. There is little bike traffic and they come only in warm months. Oakland Drive, Winchell Neighborhood Association and Christina Anderson have it reversed. They give traffic calming as a reason. In my neighborhood on South Burdick, city planners took away street parking in the same way, telling us that the bike lane would slow traffic. Guess what? Those with speeding behavior only go faster, unimpeded by parked obstacles, and the turn lane is a passing lane for them. There have been horrible accidents since the bike lane was put in. The police cam in front of my house will tell you, don't take my word for it. If by traffic calming you mean others are not allowed to come to the area in the first place, how is that attitude an improvement for our city? How is it civic-minded? Leaving out the people that don't agree with you in a survey is not valid data gathering. Asylum Lake is a feature that belongs to the larger community. What is the
12: problem
11: with allowing a few hikers and nature lovers to come into the Winchell neighborhood? The neighborhoods around Kleinstuck Preserve allow street parking without issue. Just because someone, something makes it into the master plan does not make it right. The number of people upset with this should tell you something. Banning parking at the Asylum Lake entrance at Winchell is not a good plan for so many of us. Any bird watcher, anyone who's actually been using this entrance peacefully.
2: Thank thank you. Next please. Mark
13: Hoffman, Aberdeen Drive, Winchell neighborhood. I am seeking your help in restoring parking at the Winchell Avenue neighborhood access point for the Asylum Lake Preserve. Bike lanes painted onto Winchell last fall included a parking prohibition along this dead end stretch of the roadway where for decades, visitors of the preserve have enjoyed safe, all season parking. I met with the traffic engineer and neighborhood president at this site on April 1st, and we concluded weeks of debate with a compromised, limited parking proposal. The plan reduces previously unlimited parking on both sides of Winchell to a short stretch along its south side at the preserve entrance. It retains the bike lanes and narrowed roadway. This, again, is a dead-end section of Winchill and not as busy as the main thoroughfare to the east. Our city planner and the neighborhood president selectively cite the neighborhood plan as they reject this compromise parking proposal where page 44 recommends the bikeway along Winchill for traffic calming and connectivity. What they're not saying, page 5 of the plan, emphasizes this neighborhood goal. Increase access to green space and parks. The plan also recognizes Western's Kleinstuck and Asylum Lake preserves as neighborhood parkland and seeks to support their continued use as public parkland. Page 47. However, reducing accessibility to Asylum Lake's neighborhood entrance is truly contradictory. For neighborhood families, this means that if you don't have the privilege of living by the neighborhood entrance, you actually have to leave the neighborhood to get back to the preserve. Page 49 of the plan states the city's task, quote, work to make existing parks and passive recreational green spaces more accessible. I wrote about the legislative conveyance of this property to WMU. Robert and Jack Welborn intended the surplus property to serve a regional community and the legislation restricts the preserve for use as public park, recreation, or open space purposes. As a result, Asylum Lake is enjoyed year round by countless visitors from all over. Logistically, if you live north to east of Windchill, this entrance is probably the most direct way to get to Asylum Lake. Yet the new parking prohibition discourages access for other city residents and runs counter to the vastly approved neighborhood plan. The April 8 compromise proposes restored limited parking and satisfies the ease in accessing the preserve at this location. It keeps the dead end section of Winchell narrow for bikers and for calming traffic and please help to move this plan forward.
2: Thank you. Thank thank you very much. Next please.
14: Cruiser. I live at 817 Boswell Lane, which is in the Arcadia neighborhood. I'm also co-chair of the Asylum. I am here to express my dismay and shock at the city's planner and the city's refusal to reinstate limited on-street parking at the Winchell Avenue entrance for Asylum Lake Preserve. On April 8th of this year, the city's traffic engineer and the project manager. For the Winchell Avenue Traffic Calming Project, provided a proposal which, as mentioned before, was formulated based on meetings and conversations with the Oakland Drive Winchell Neighborhood Association and the Asylum Lake Preservation Association for reinstating limited parking at the Winchell entrance for Asylum Lake. This limited parking area comprises 0.027% of the total length of Winchell Avenue in point zero 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 five percent of the total area of the Oakland Drive neighborhood while I completely support the actions to create safer streets in the use of non-motorized transportation there are times when unintended negative consequences occur from good intentions today you are deciding if the city should adopt a community sustainability plan one of the main goals of this plan is to take positive actions to create a more resilient and sustainable Kalamazoo. This is guided by the city's vision for a greener and healthier city. I ask how is the banning of parking at this historic entrance advancing this vision? How is forcing visitors that do not live close enough or are physically unable to bike or walk to asylum lake preserve, to now increase their driving distances advancing this vision? How is the encouragement of expanding the parking lot at Parkview, which will require the permanent reduction of green space advancing this vision? How is the public perception of the windshield entrance solely for residents that are within walking or biking distance advancing this vision? How does this plan provide the city's park and recreation master plan as it relates to public green spaces? I am asking this commission to do what is right for our community and implement Mr. Randolph's plan. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Next please.
5: Holmes, I live at uh 2417 High Point Drive adjacent to the preserve entrance in question. Uh, First, I want to acknowledge that there is wide support in the community for restoring parking with the compromise proposal made by the city engineer. Many people here are supporting the excellent community sustainability plan, but there are also those who've come to express the support for the parking restoration um, I'm gonna ask for a show of hands of people who are just here to support the parking reinstatement, but please don't make any noise because I only have three minutes to make my point. <coughs> On the Asylum Lake Preservation l- website, or hey Facebook, there are thir- 90 supporting likes, 93 uh, this afternoon, many statements of support, and these are copies of emails that have been sent to us by people who cannot be here tonight, but wanted to express their support. Arguments for the parking restriction have been made on several incorrect assumptions. One is that this parking will cause speeding traffic to increase down windshield. It will not. In addition, the letter from the city planner stated that the entrance, quote, is a minor entrance geared toward those living in close proximity. This is simply not true. My neighbors and I have watched the entrance for years, and we can tell you that before the parking ban, there was a steady stream of cars parked there, of people who lived in the city of Kalamazoo. Many of our respondents have indicated that they have depended on this entrance for years. So who are these city residents? Little kids who love to run down the path to the creek. Adults who can't walk very far and aren't very spy anymore. These people don't deserve to have to drive miles around the preserve and then walk down the paths from the parking lots. The message from the neighborhood, rubbed in by the $20 parking fees given out by the city, fines given out by the city, is we don't want you here. It's too much trouble to change our neighborhood plan so that the rest of the city can access the preserve. One last point. We hope that you will not just sit here and listen to our pleas tonight, and then they'll get lost again in the inward world of the city. Please put into action tonight a process for the restoration of parking. The situation's gone on for months. And it's giving city residents a message that surely you don't want to continue. Do something to correct it right now, please.
2: Thank
15: you. Next, please. Good I'm Pat Vinge, a deacon at St. Martin of Tours Episcopal Church and a member of Isaac TRHT housing task force. I'm speaking this evening on the enforcement of the source of income portion of the city's housing equity ordinance. I'm very concerned about enforcement of this important component of the ordinance. If it's not enforced, it becomes nearly meaningless. More and more states and municipalities are realizing that discrimination experienced by renters who are denied housing due to their source of income needs to be addressed. As of May this year, 20 states have passed some form of source of income protection, as well as many municipalities in Michigan, including, to name a few, Holland, Kalamazoo, Ann Arbor, Jackson, Wyoming, Lansing, Kentwood, Hazel Park, Royal Oak, and Ferndale. And I applaud the city of Kalamazoo for being in the forefront of this move toward equity in our state and in our country but the Civil Rights Board must be able to enforce this part of the housing equity ordinance. Or people who have money to pay the rent can be denied a place to live because one source of their income may be a housing voucher given by a government agency, or a check given by a nonprofit organization, or a check from a church or synagogue. This is so clearly unfair. The ordinance was passed by the City Commission unanimously in September 2020 and had been thoroughly vetted by the City Attorney's Office with a number of revisions being made before it was presented to the Commission and approved. Along with other cities in Michigan that are enforcing their source of income protections in their housing equity ordinances our City Attorney's Office needs to use their legal expertise to enforce the prohibition against source of income, discrimination in our community. I fully support the Civil Rights Board having the authority to enforce this provision. Thank you. Thank you. Next please.
16: Uh, I'm Ryan Smith. Uh, I am a City of Kalamazoo resident and I am here uh, REPRESENTING SOUTHWEST MICHIGAN uh, DEMOCRATIC SOCIALISTS. Uh, WE RECENTLY HAVE SENT THROUGH A RESOLUTION, uh, AND WE'VE uh, EMAILED ALL OF YOU ALL uh, ABOUT IT, AND we, WE WOULD JUST LIKE TO HAVE uh, A VOTE ON THE RESOLUTION. AND, YOU KNOW, I'VE COME HERE IN SUPPORT OF IT. Uh, WE'VE BEEN CANVASSING FOR uh, THREE YEARS AND ABOUT A YEAR, For the city, we have over 1,400 signatures. Um, You know, Medicare for all would do wonders uh, to create more equity uh, for uh, lower income people. Uh, In fact, uh, 5,000 of uh, the residents here in Kalamazoo do not have health insurance, one of them including me. Uh, It is quite serious that I cannot. to even think about going to a doctor is, uh, you know, <laughs> a chance of going under, you know, and I, I think it's wrong. Um, and I often deal with a lot of the homeless population, and they often do not get adequate health uh, uh, coverage or looked at whatsoever. Like when these people, uh, They're often just thrown in jail after the police are done with them and then take them out and they have no options. You know, Uh, when I when I go out and feed them, you know, it's almost uh, it's it's pretty sad uh, when these people just need basic health uh, benefits, you know, that would uh, be beneficial just by uh, being able to go see a doctor. It's pretty absurd. And I think the city of Kalamazoo should show their support for anything that could bring health care to people that need it. Thanks. That's all I got. Thank you. Next, please.
17: Good evening. How are we doing today? Uh, my name is Jean Simpson, I represent hundreds of people in the city of Kalamazoo who support Medicare for All. Uh, if you can kind of hear the accent here, I'm not from these parts, I'm actually Scottish. So I had the luxury of growing up under a universal healthcare system, and I'm all about it. That's why I'm so pumped up about this issue, because I've had the good stuff, and I want to share it to all these fine people of Kalamazoo. So you know, when I moved to the States, one of the biggest culture shocks, culture shocks for me, was the fact that the land of the free did not have basic healthcare covered. And for me, that is a lack of freedom. That restricts freedom on so many different points. You know, in terms of our city, our beautiful city of Kalamazoo restricts business innovation. You know, small businesses can't get started and can't afford the, the astronomical costs of you know, having health insurance for their employees. A universal health care system like Medicare for All would uh, make sure that everybody was covered. It also you know, makes women and men uh, reliant on terrible relationships. A lot of women and men and children are stuck in terrible home situations because they're relying on um, the health insurance that one of the partners have. Medicare for All will give freedom to hundreds and thousands of women and men in abusive relationships across the United States. And of course, the main thing, the current health system doesn't allow us to have fun. I can't go and uh, jump on a skateboard because if I break my leg, well, that's me in debt for the rest of my life. And that's just no fun. A recent study showed that the US could have saved 330,000 lives from COVID with universal healthcare. In my opinion, that is 330,000 people were killed by the current healthcare system. Medical debt is out of control. In the past five years, more than half of US adults report that they've gone into debt because of medical or dental bills. A quarter of adults with health care debt owe more than $5,000, and about one in five with any amount of debt said that they don't ever expect to pay it off. And I'm sure there's some people behind me who are never, ever going to pay off their medical debt. I don't have to remind you guys that the poverty rate in Kalamazoo is about 27.5%, and that's a shocking number, and how much of that poverty could be alleviated by eradicating medical debt and that fear of, uh, of going into medical debt. You may be wondering, how is this a city issue? We're just little city commissioners and a little mayor. Well, you know, the current system is draining funds and life from our beautiful community. And as the representatives of the city of Kalamazoo voted by the people of Kalamazoo, the commission has a duty to support, even symbolically, this revolutionary legislation that would have a revolutionary effect on our our community. I hope that the uh, Medicare for All resolution that we've sent you guys way many many times uh, is voted on by the Commission in the future and I'd love to see where you guys stand on this issue and I'm sure the community would love to as well. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Next please.
18: Greetings, Commissioners. My name is Bill Farmer. I live in Scott's Pavilion Township, which is not in the city, but I have direct experience and knowledge of the uh, struggles that the city goes through in providing health care to their employees and their retirees, because I was the lead negotiator in the success of collective bargaining agreements uh, representing the public works uh, employees, including the wastewater treatment plant those three contracts, most of our time was spent in regards to trying to deal with the, how do we manipulate our healthcare? How do we study our healthcare proposals to save money? And we did that, and we did that successfully. But what it wound up is, bottom line is, the city paid more money for healthcare, and the employees was beginning to share more and more of the portion of paying for healthcare through premiums. Well, uh, the news is with Medicare for All, and we hope you pass this and move this forward, the Medicare for All legislation would take care of that. Um, Employees would save thousands of dollars every year. They would not have to pay for premiums, co pays, or deductibles. The city if you do the calculation in one avenue and paying for this would be a seven percent charge on total wages. That's total wages, not compensation. And you'll find there that you'll save hundreds of thousands of dollars every year in regards to that. That could be spent in the very policies uh, and programs that you want to move forward. Um, with that, why do we come to you? Why? Well, because your community. You're the closest political entities that we have available. We cannot come into competition with a big pharma in the insurance industry that are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on 27 um, people who lobby uh, 100 senators and 435 house reps. We don't have that competition, so we go to the grassroots. And the grassroots is door-to-door canvassing 1,400 countywide, and 500 of which are in the city from every neighborhood in the city. That's support for the Medicare for All Act that is under your consideration. So um, what we're asking for is you to move this forward, that your vote in passing this will be used along with our petitions, your resolution, the county's resolution, to advocate on behalf of Medicare for All with our congressional representatives and our two senators who are not yet in support of that. Um, So please, take this under consideration. Join the movement. This movement is national. There's six other entities in Michigan that passed this and over 100 uh, nationwide. The county passed this and they haven't had an avalanche of divisive issues come to them from 2020. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next
19: please. Evening, commissioners my, uh, and Mr. Mayor, my name is Ian Magnuson and I'm a resident living at 3801 Winchell Avenue and I'm also the vice chair of the Environmental Concerns Committee that helped draft the recommendation before you today. I'd like to quickly add at the top that as a resident of the Winchell Way apartment complex and a cyclist that rode here today, I'm in favor of allowing parking at Winchell Asylum Lake Preserve entrance for the greater community's benefit, no matter the small impedance it would be to me personally. As for the main reason I'm here today, I have a Master of Public Policy degree from Michigan State University, where I focused exclusively on local responses to the climate uh, crisis. My work focused exclusively on educating people on the basics of climate change and sustainability planning so that we can competently address one of the most complex challenges in generations. According to the University of Michigan, we are already seeing the negative impacts of climate change in our daily lives. The state of Michigan has seen a 15% increase in annual precipitation and a 35%, that's one-third more, of increased heavy precipitation events, which challenges our stressed stormwater and transportation infrastructure. The average number of frost-free days per year has risen by over two weeks, making food growing cycles less predictable. And if you're counting, we've also seen three green Christmases in a row in the winter water wonderland state. All of this is to say that climate change is here, and it's just getting started. As our recommendation highlights, a more vibrant Kalamazoo is buried in the pages of the CSP. Cleaner air and water are only the start of what's possible when we phase out fossil fuels from our economy. New transportation options for citizens, more access to green space, and new economic opportunities abound. As Einstein famously said, a problem is simply an opportunity in disguise. I have one major request tonight. The plan's current design requiring a working group captained by a new staff member with no authority to act alone is simply not good enough. In fact, the plan has us only just missing climate catastrophe with a net zero carbon emissions goal by 2050. As evidenced by the recent departure of former Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Dorla Bonner. Wicked challenges like racial equity and climate challenge require sustained attention by people with decision-making capacity. If we fall behind at any point in this plan, we risk sowing entirely avoidable disasters upon ourselves and generations to come. I wish to stress the ECC's recommendation that the city create a director-level position to oversee and implement the 80-plus actions, 29 strategies, and 10 goals combined within the plan, Furthermore, the 2022 budget should be adjusted to bring this position online by the end of the year. In closure, a better future is possible for Kalamazoo families, businesses, and wildlife. We simply need to act as if our house is on fire because it is. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much. Appreciate your service on one of
20: our 30 city boards. Thank you. Next, please. Richard Vorman. I live at uh, 2419 Carlisle Drive in Kalamazoo. And I should add that I'm uh, at this point that I'm also a member of the Complete Streets Advisory Committee, uh, though I speak here on my own behalf. I'd like to speak in favor of uh, the restoration of street parking for the um, entrance to the Asylum Lake property on Winchell Ave. I agree with and support all of the previous comments that were made by the speakers ahead of me here on that topic. I live. Um, one house off of Winchell Drive or Winchell Ave right near Winchell School there, about one mile from the entrance to Asylum Lake on uh, Winchell Ave there. I visit the, the, the park or the um, preserve regularly as I have for almost 30 years now, and much of that time I usually walk. It's about a 15 minute walk from my house down Winchell, very pleasant walk, talk to neighbors and everything. But occasionally, I need to take my grandkids down there to visit the beavers and show them the wonders of the uh, preserve, or um, to take our dog down there for a short walk, and he does it gets to be too long of a walk for him if I have to walk that whole distance round trip. Uh, it becomes about four miles or so. And uh, I also like to drive down there to go cross-country skiing. It's so easy to put the skis in the car, go down there, Um, on the trail within moments. Skiing is very unpleasant, if not impossible, down the sidewalks um, of Winchell Hat. Yes, I could use the parking lots over on um, Parkview and Drake Road, but getting there from my house is uh, uh, an onerous and, um, oh, what did I write it here? Um, It's an onerous and unpleasant task. It takes some period of time to get there and uh, and that driving, whether I have to get to the one on uh, Drake Road or not, you're dealing with a lot of traffic in between there and everything, and uh, it's so easy to just park on the other end of the street uh, and go down there. It's one of those wonderful benefits that we've had in living in our area here. Um, when I when the first ruling, really, and I should say, I supported the uh, bike lanes that go down Winchell Road. I, uh, I'm, I also go to the uh, local committee meetings in our neighborhood. Um, I didn't think that that would exclude parking on Winchell when those uh, lanes went in there. They clearly slow slow the traffic, and I'm in favor of them. Um, I'm a regular bike user on Winchell Ave as well, I bike regularly downtown, I did it just a few days ago. One thing I'd like to say is that Winchell Ave is not Oakland Drive, we have a lot more context around the sides of the street, uh, and the bike traffic is infrequent enough that I think. Uh, the parking at that end of Winshell is not inconsistent with the use for that area. And so I think we should definitely consider the context of that area there and the uh, management of parking there. Thank you very much. Thank you.
21: Next, please. My name is Aaron Wright. I live at 1905 Schuyler Drive in Kalamazoo. I am uh, the current chair of the Environmental Concerns Committee for the City of Kalamazoo, and I could not be more delighted to be here tonight um, to share with you uh, some of the ECC's recommendation uh, regarding the Community Sustainability Plan. We've had a Climate Action Plan or Sustainability Plan as an agenda item um, for the last six years on the ECC. Um, and all the meetings that I uh, have attended, so I am super pumped, (laughs) uh, to to say the least. So, uh, here is our recommendation to you. The ECC unanimously recommends that the Kalamazoo City Commission approve the Community Sustainability Plan with special attention to the following provisions as keys to effective implementation. One, staffing. The ECC recommends that city staff hire a dedicated director-level staff member to begin implementation of the community sustainability plan as soon as possible, including reallocation of fiscal year 2022 funding to immediately begin the hiring process. Two, reporting. The ECC has appreciated the frequent updates from city staff and requests continued reporting on community sustainability plan implementation with more formalized feedback mechanisms and opportunities for refinement and specificity to be developed and identified as the plan proceeds. Three, data collection. The ECC recommends that city staff make use of the International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives, uh, the acronym for that is ICLE. Uh, the data, their data collection system, which has already been purchased by the city. This will enable city staff and residents to develop a community-wide public and private emissions inventory necessary to track our progress toward the community sustainability goal of net zero emissions by 2050. Four. Regional leadership and coordination. The ECC recommends that the city of Kalamazoo honor the city commission's climate emergency declaration by seeking to be a regional leader in reducing greenhouse gas emissions. This includes facilitating coordination between local units of government, public utilities, private enterprise, and residents. Five bold leadership. Finally, The ECC recommends that the city endeavor every opportunity to beat the stated goal in the the Community Sustainability Plan of net zero emissions by 2050. This will reap the largest benefits to our local ecology, quality of life, and economy by reducing the devastating impacts of record heat and cold days, increased storm intensity and unpredictability, and loss of biodiversity and human life.
2: Thank you very much, and thank you for your long, long service
22: on the Environmental Concerns Committee. Next, please. Winter, Winchell neighborhood. I serve on the Coordinating Committee of the Kalamazoo Climate Crisis Coalition, so I'm here to support the sustainability plan, including the written comments already made by some of my fellow committee members. However, I am also a resident of the Winchell neighborhood and I want to speak in what is going to be an unpopular way about that. Um, I understand the desire to be welcoming uh, with uh, restoring some of the parking, uh, but there are some real downsides for safety and sustainability. I live just a few blocks away on Winchell and I walk and bicycle to the preserve frequently I'm actually a bird watcher. I'm joining the Audubon Society Board on July 1st. um, And I'm also a long time commuter cyclist. uh, And during certain times of day, there really is quite a lot of traffic there. Not surprising because it's right next to a large apartment complex. So the situation is problematic, especially because there is no sidewalk in the vicinity. The bike lane is relatively narrow but it has to serve both pedestrians and bicyclists. Uh, This adds to the risk uh, when you've got people parallel parking there too. Extensive scientific research has made clear this is going to make that section of the street more hazardous. Uh, From this book, uh, citing the data, uh, every year about 16 pedestrians, uh, every day, Every day about 16 pedestrians are killed by motor vehicles, 16, and another 466 are injured. Most of these accidents are caused by careless drivers. The statistics for bicyclists are also really pretty grim. Uh, Recently, when I was bicycling in that area uh, where there's no sidewalk right by the entrance to the preserve, uh, two people were walking in the bike lane on my side. So I had to swerve out into the car lane and there was a car coming from Winchell Way apartment complex behind me. I had to rely on that person to be paying attention, not to hit me and to swerve into the other car lane. And this was without parked cars along that side. Uh, I'm sorry, it really does increase the risk. Recently, I also saw a mom with two little kids who had bicycled to that entrance of the preserve. And we're going to be bicycling back along that stretch without a sidewalk, and I hate to think of them facing a dicey situation where you know drivers sometimes are careless. So there's also the issue of sustainability. We need to be encouraging bicycling to things like the Oakwood Plaza there by the Winchell Way residents, taking: uh, uh,
2: Thank you very much. Next, please.
23: My name is Wendy Denning. I live in the Winchell neighborhood and I too am a bicyclist. I'm disgruntled by the removal of parking at the Winchell Avenue Asylum Lake Preserve entrance. I support its reinstatement. I am grateful for the Winchell neighborhood plan and I do support traffic calming. I frequently take my young grandchildren to Asylum Lake Preserve. We like to explore the stream at the spillway. With parking spaces removed at the Winchell Avenue entrance, parking spaces that have been there for at least 40 years, it's not possible to get my young grandchildren to our favorite Asylum Lake Preserve place. Yes, I could park at Draker Park Parkview, but those two areas are a long way from the spillway, too far to walk with young children in tow. Winchell Avenue is a dead-end street. The Winchell Avenue entrance to Asylum Lake Preserve is 581 feet from the end of Winchell Avenue. Going west from the entrance to Asylum Lake Preserve are five houses in the Winchell Way Apartments. Winchell Way Apartments have 168 rental units. Together, they provide housing for approximately 350 people. The vehicle traffic there is minimal. If parking were reinstated at the Winchell Avenue entrance to Asylum Lake Preserve, it would not affect the entire Winchell neighborhood. The Winchell Neighborhood Plan objects to parking at Asylum Lake Preserve entrance due to it being a safety hazard for bicyclists from the five homes in the Winchell Way Apartments, approximately 350 people. How many of them actually ride bikes down Winchell? Maybe 10%, maybe one, if that. Those 4 to 35 bicyclists have available to them, not one, but two bike lanes on either side of Winchell for the 581 feet between their residences and where the parking should be reinstated at the Winchell Avenue entrance to Asylum Lake Preserve. I posit that 4 to 35 bicyclists can safely utilize one bike lane for 581 feet. Thus, I support the reinstatement of parking at the Winchell entrance to the Asylum Lake Preserve. Since I've got 23 seconds, I wanna ask again, how many of us are here tonight in support of reinstatement of the parking? Lots, this is an important issue for us. Thank you. Thank you,
2: next please.
24: And everyone my name is Kathy Faison. I actually live in Township but I work in Kalamazoo in the city um, I work for Isaac as far as the Housing Task Force GVP GVI anything that has to do with the betterment of this community I'm invested um, we all know the research planning and everything that was implemented as far as getting this Fair Housing ordinance passed what we're also forgetting is the heart and soul that was put into this housing ordinance and why it was passed. I also lifted up before at the last commission meeting about me being out there in the streets, canvassing, talking to people, getting the community aware of the ordinance and what it entailed. But the one thing I didn't lift up that I want you to know is the relationships that i built with people to be able to hear the stories, the struggles, the obstacles, and this is the reason this ordinance was implemented. And so when we start building relationship with peoples, I'm gonna always go back to the closest people to the solution are those closest to the problem. So when we start building relationship with people, the city commission, you took this ordinance in, you felt you need knew what this city needed. Now we're asking you to help make sure that this city ordinance is enforced, all parts of it. We're looking for, inclusiveness. We don't want it to be the where we're continually being separated. We don't want the redlining. We don't want to be separated by race nor class. We want inclusiveness where everyone can live together. Everyone has a right, a human right to fair housing. And that's the one thing that we're asking is to make sure because we didn't take the time to do this for the city for nothing. So Right now, as city officials, I am asking you because you are here for the community. Listen to the community. Hear the community voices. Like I said, I've heard them. I've listened to them. We come here. We speak all the time. Let's do what's right by our city because Kalamazoo definitely has the potential to make a mark to where other cities are watching us. And let's start being an example. It's up to you. You have the right and you have the energy, the right, and you have the power to do it. Let's make changes in our city. It has to start somewhere. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Next, please.
25: Thank you, commission. Thank you, commission, for your time this evening. My name is Peter Kushner and I'm speaking on behalf of the Oakland Drive Winchell Neighborhood Association Board as its president. I'm assuming you have received, read, and considered the city planner's correspondence and our association board's rationale regarding this parking issue, so I will not review it again here except to reiterate that our board is focused on the big picture for our neighborhood and how each small decision can and will affect our neighborhood plan. My point today is to look at the true meaning behind our many city plans, including of course our seven neighborhood plans. You gave each neighborhood a wonderful opportunity to have a direct voice in what happens within it and to determine the goals and the actions to make those changes happen. The master plan states neighborhood plans will allow residents to focus on issues important to their neighborhood. What the vast majority of our neighbors told us was that their highest priority issues were traffic calming and increasing our safe, non-motorized networks. I acknowledge the comments made here today, but I'm here to represent the over two years of hard work by our board and our 1,600 household neighborhood residents. We talked with and surveyed many hundreds of our neighbors, had over 50 people serving on five committees, and worked with city staff from start to finish to identify and prioritize both our issues and the action plans to address them, which you included in the master plan in 2020. you have given our neighborhoods this opportunity and responsibility to speak for and act on behalf of our respective neighborhoods. Of course, we know and understand every person will not agree with every decision that's made or action implemented, but our ultimate neighborhood plan goal is to create a safer, greener, more user-friendly and inclusive neighborhood that connects us to each other and the rest of the city to us. This bike lane is a first but important step in implementing our full neighborhood plan. We believe the main responsibility of our board is to serve the greater goals of the neighborhood as identified through our neighborhood plan. Our board's ask today is simply that you support our efforts and that of city staff to implement the stated goals and actions of our and every other neighborhood's plan. What precedent might this set if we fail to act on our well-researched and thought-out plans, each time a small minority decides that the plan somehow doesn't work for them? I'm reminded of a quote. A plan without action is nothing more than a speech. Please support our neighborhood associations and our approved neighborhood plans so they don't just become well-meaning speeches. Thank you. I appreciate the work you do for our city. And please excuse me for walking out as I have a previous in- Thank you very much.
2: Next, please.
26: My name is Sharlae Davis and I live in Kalamazoo and I am the executive director of Isaac. Good evening to our mayor and to our vice mayor, to our city commissioners and city staff. We are so thankful for the former vice mayor Patrice for sharing her housing policy brief years back that she had researched and wrote, and that was the needed catalyst for this work, for this ordinance. This was a partnership under her leadership with the city of Kalamazoo, TRHT, Fair Housing, MDCR, and Isaac. Thank you to the city commission for unanimously passing the housing equity ordinance with a civil rights board to include source of income. We must continue to humanize the systemic work. Isaac led culturally competent listening sessions and we able to do so thanks to Elder Dora Bonner, the former DEI director in the city of Kalamazoo. The beloved community members who we sat with and we talked to and we listened to, they were mothers, They were fathers, they were brothers, they were sisters, they were grandmothers, they were grandfathers, who had different abilities that impacted housing, who had past convictions years ago that still impacted housing, who worked hard even two or three jobs but still could not find housing, who mentioned they were treated like nothing when looking for housing. who who had left unhealthy relationships and or had had evictions, thus it was hard finding housing, whose health concerns impacted their housing. There were children and grandbabies at our focus groups with their family members, coloring right next to us and playing as we talked. Through the rightful tears and the anger and the urgency and the truth and the sadness and recounting of painful experiences, Thank you to all the group participants, listening session participants, for their courage to share their story. There was a wonderful African-American gentleman who stood in the door when we had reached capacity, and he said, please, please let me in this room. He said, I need to be in this room, I need to be here. And we let him in that room. And I have to say, sir, thank you for knowing that your voice held power, because it did. And we are seeing the changes because of their voices. So now we must do that all that we can do to ensure that, this, that there is an enforcement arm to include source of income with reporting, also with transparency, accountability, and inclusion of its committed board members. The Civil Rights Board connected to the housing equity ordinance helps us move toward the beloved community by addressing these systemic problems. Thank you again, Commission.
2: Thank you very much. Next, please.
27: Tom Holmes from High Point Drive, and I try and take as little time as I can. You have a lot of very weighty and important issues that you're thinking about and carrying, and I really appreciate the work that you folks do. I just wanted to clarify something that Pete Kushner said. You know, I think it's important that we have these neighborhood plans. Like any plan, once it gets implemented, you find out, oh, we weren't thinking about that. When people were asked, do you want bike lanes, they weren't asked if that means we're going to lose the parking on Winchell for Asylum Lake. That wasn't part of the survey, but you can't, so you can't pretend that that was part of the survey. So what we're doing is just saying tweak the plans after you make them. You have enough experience implementing plans. You know that the plan is put out there, and then you find out, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. All these people speaking about the housing okay, yeah, we have a plan, now how are you gonna implement it? And it's very important stuff, and I want you to spend your time doing that, but I just wanted to say this. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much. Next, please.
28: Mr. Mayor, commissioners, Uh, my name's Steve Glista. I'm a resident of the Westinage Hill neighborhood, and I'm here to talk about the Winchell bike lanes. Uh, I'm not gonna take a position for or against parking, Um, I'm just going to say I have a vision of protected cycling infrastructure in the city that connects our schools and businesses with the neighborhoods where people live all around Kalamazoo. And I believe that we have an obligation as leaders in our community to provide safe infrastructure for everyone who is going to use that infrastructure in our city. So thinking about safety and thinking about bike lanes, I want to encourage all of you to. Think about who it is that's using these paths on Winchell. It's not, you know, dudes in spandex like sprinting back and forth to the apartment complex. Um, it's it's the primary users are children who are riding to the Winchell Elementary School in the morning from the apartments and from the other neighborhoods down Winchell. And so those are the users we need to protect. Um, I have to think that maybe there's room for compromise here. And so I want to ask you to consider whether there is a compromise that will allow for limited car parking, limited vehicle parking without compromising the safety of the most vulnerable users uh, and pedestrians on this piece of infrastructure. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much.
29: Hey, my name is Ben Stanley. I live in the city. I say let's ban all cars in the entire city of Kalamazoo. Electric bikes are really popular. I think they're really cool. I like biking. We've had several tragic bike accidents in the city of Kalamazoo in recent years. I don't know. I think that's pretty I think it's okay. Change is hard. People want to drive. It's convenient, but I've been biking out to South Haven and my legs are in great shape. Um, Community gardens. um, I know the city has implemented some um, ways for people to community garden, but it's really hard. It's not easy. I got like a 95 page form that I could fill out and I just threw it away. It's not worth it. I'll just. Planted in my garden, in my yard. Oh, that reminds me. I got a ticket for $124 because I have a garden in my front yard. Um, and I called and asked, like, what I can do about it because I see people that have gardens in their front yards and all the really ritzy neighborhoods too. Um, so I know it's got to be okay. Um, and, um, I called and talked to them and they said, oh, you just gotta have a list of all the plants that you're gonna have. And I was like, "Well, that's pretty easy. Should I just put down like dandelion or like the Latin name? And they're like, oh, you can't have dandelions in a natural lawn. And I was confused because I used the flower, I used the leaves and I used the root. I think it's very useful and a lot of other people do. And I sent several articles that explained how you use them just so that they didn't think I was talking crazy. Because it sounds kind of crazy, people eating dandelions. Um, and, and they said, that's not allowed. You have to be able to buy the plant from the store. And then I just like, smacked my forehead, and I'm like, how is that a natural lawn? I don't get it. I'm really confused. So they said, this conversation's not going anywhere. You can talk to my manager. I said, OK. So I left a message a few weeks ago I haven't heard back. I called back again today, but Ben Stanley is not allowed to call 311, so I was Tony Stark today. It was great. And I actually got to talk to some people, and they gave me her email, and I sent her an email. And now I have to draw an entire diagram of what my entire garden is going to look like. And so now I have to fill out a FOIA for every other person that has a natural lawn. And if they don't, I don't know. Like, are you guys picking on me? I don't know. Have a great
2: night, guys. Thank you very much. Next, please.
30: Asser, yes, city resident, and volunteer for Rank My Vote, which is a citizen initiative to implement a ranked choice voting system in Kalamazoo and Royal Oak this fall as an educational effort in anticipation of a statewide ballot initiative for the same thing in 2024 or 2026. Our petition drive is continuing in Kalamazoo with a goal of collecting 3,000 signatures from registered voters by the end of July. I personally have collected 234 signatures, which is 78% of my personal goal of 300. I would like to say hello to Jared and Natalie from the West Douglas neighborhood if they are watching this evening. They saw me speaking during a prior city commission meeting about ranked choice voting, and they came out to the Bank Street Farmers Market this past Saturday morning to sign my petition. If anyone else would like to help like Jared and Natalie did, please come find me at the Bank Street Farmer's Market every Saturday morning between 8.30 and 11.30. I set up on the Bank Street sidewalk at the intersection with Collins Street near Judy Sarkozy's stall. If anyone is excited about Ranked Choice Voting and wants to help us gather petition signatures and make a bunch of new community-minded friends, please visit our website at rankmyvote.org and click the blue volunteer button. You do not have to be a Kalamazoo resident or have campaign experience to participate. Again, that website address is rankmyvote.org, where my is M I, the postal abbreviation for Michigan. And when the uh, community sustainability portion of uh, tonight's agenda is complete, I'll be going outside behind City Hall. There's some benches there, and uh, anyone who would like to sign my petition can do so at that time. Thank you. I'm going to give Clerk Moss a copy of my remarks for inclusion in the minutes, please. Thank you. Thank you
2: very much. Is there anyone else in the chambers who would like to make some comments during public comment period this evening? See no one, Deputy City Manager Chamberlain, do we have any individuals who have called in with their public comments?
25: We'll go
13: ahead and check. Okay, call you're ending right? in 5179. Go ahead, you're with the city's commission. Good
31: evening. Thank you for all the careful listening you do. Go ahead. You're with the city commission. Hello, can you hear me? Thank you. Yes, you're Abby. live. Go ahead right now. This is Toby Hannah Davies from the Isaac and T R H T Housing Task Force. And I live in the city. Did you see the recent story in second wave media about Miss Kathy White? and how often her grown children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren needed to stay with her, sleeping on her floor. That's the story of what it's like for many more families in our community. Families who are constantly at risk of losing their housing because their low paid work can't cover an unexpected expense. And people who can't get housing at all because of the kinds of housing discrimination that thanks to the previous city commission, our housing equity ordinance prohibited in 2020. Kathy White's story shows why it is imperative that you make sure the city is enforcing every part of the housing equity ordinance, including the ban on source of income discrimination. You have the power to make sure a housing voucher or a check from a local religious congregation is not meaningless and not stigmatized. You have the power to make sure that a whole class of people is not automatically discriminated against because of their source of income. You have the power to require property owners to give people applying for apartment a chance to explain their situation and tell how they can show that they are good tenants. You also have the power to expect the next city attorney, whom you will be searching for soon, to be enthusiastic about enforcing the ban on source of income discrimination, along with the rest of the housing equity ordinance, and to be enthusiastic about giving the civil rights board its rightful role in enforcement there are many families like kathy white's doubled and tripled up in stressful situations overcrowded you have the power to make a big difference for many of them by making sure the city enforces the housing equity ordinance thank you for that work Hi, caller ending in seven four seven two.
13: Go ahead. You're with the City Commission.
32: Yes. Hello. My name is Joe Byers. I'm a city resident and a nurse. I'm calling. I'm speaking tonight to you tonight, requesting you move the resolution in support of Medicare for All Act and vote for its passage. This legislation addresses many social justice issues. It must be looked upon as addressing not only equality, but also equity. The numbers expressed below are approximate, The issues are not. 76,000 people, including family members, reside in the city of Kalamazoo. 70,000 have have health insurance. 50,000 have private health insurance. Of those people with private health insurance, almost 30,000 Kalamazoo residents are covered by employer-provided health insurance. This makes them vulnerable to losing the health care coverage due to their job loss through cyclical economic fluctuations, natural disasters, and pandemics as we recently experienced. The Medicare for All Act would eliminate this vulnerability and provide health security to us all from cradle to grave. 65,000 Kalamazoo residents obtain health care through direct purchase, such as the Affordable Care Act. Less and less people are covered by this type of health insurance because it is too expensive. Premiums, deductibles, and co continue to increase, making this health care option unsustainable for many of our residents. <clears throat> Again, the Medicare for All Act would provide care security to us all. We would save money. We'd be saving our money because we would no longer have to pay health insurance, premiums, deductibles, and co Of those uh, 70,000 people that have uh, Of our 76,000 people in our community, 5,000 people don't have no health insurance. 3,200 of those are children. Uh, Townsend City pays $14 million annually for health care as part of 2019. These costs will be greatly reduced by this legislation by, in part, eliminating the need for to budget or post-retirement health care benefits, eliminates the need to spend time and money negotiating union and association health care benefits, reduces general liability and work, workers' com, costs. This legislation would provide the necessary service consistent with efforts of cradle Kalamazoo, the expansion of mental health care pursuant to gun violence efforts, and the city's new sustainability program with this priority of expanding healthcare availability throughout our communities. The Medicare for All Act is the only healthcare delivery system that can provide expanded universal coverage, save us money, control costs, eliminate health care inequalities and inequities, provide us true freedom of choice, and prepare us for healthcare challenges of the future. Thank you.
13: Hi, caller ending in three zero one eight. Go ahead with the Kalamazoo City Commission. Hi, go ahead with the City Commission. You're live.
33: Hi, my name is Dustin Black, and I'm calling in support of staying the. Hi, my name is Dustin Black, and I'm calling in support of staying the course with. i calling the support of staying the course with regarding the Winchell Avenue bike lane, specifically near the asylum lake entrance. The draft community sustainability very plan that you're considering this evening clearly indicates that we need to move toward a greener transportation system. And it does so in the very first paragraph of the very first section, that important. Not only that, but the Winchell Avenue bike lanes are specifically called out the Oakland Drive Winchell neighborhood plan as the top priority location for calling motor vehicle impact improving mobility options for those who walk them this is why it's so frustrating to hear people coming out against these bike lanes today because they're slightly inconvenienced you'll note that everyone who has spoken in opposition today lives in the windshield neighborhood and when people say certain things make sense in general but not in this one specific case because this case is somehow different especially when they don't like it think that they're just saying this but they're also there's well, there's a term for this. It's called NIMBY. It's the yard. What they're saying is that greener transportation is good unless it affects me or my parking or my convenience. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not good enough. The cloud literally collapsing around us. I keep hearing people driven the center. While that's true, atmospheric carbon dioxide concentration has also skyrocketed during that time. It's beyond change. In fact, a two thousand ten study found that the forest tree composition of asylum lake shifted due to climate change. So those birds that everyone's going there to see there in a few years. It's no longer a question of debate, it's a question of consequences. We truly our natural species start making better choices about how we get around and how we access them. For the asylum lake preserves that we know and love today may not be generations to share. And that's what this is really about, in my opinion, in the future. It's not about using the, who's using the bike lanes now. It's not about who's driving or parking in there today. This is about our and the remnants that we're leaving with. Is it too much to assume that if a person can hop a curb and make up a tall flight of stairs before hiking through a trade with unapproved walking surfaces, that they can also find it within themselves to walk the 900 to the nearest legal parking? That's all it is. So the nearest public legally allows parking, a mere 900 feet. This is about the average width of what in Latin Hill, seems pretty doable to me. The last thing I want to say is that I applaud the city commission for adopting the climate emergency resolution back in 2019, and I applaud the commission for voting in favor of the CFD tonight. But it's not enough to just make plans; we must take action. We must implement these plans to the fullest if we're going to make change, and this includes giving up some conveniences. And for that, I also, enter Anderson, the city are making these difficult. Spaces
13: to build. Hi, caller ending in 7419. Go ahead with the Kalamazoo City Commission.
12: Hi, my name is Tina McQuinton. Hello, my name is Tina McQuinton. I live on Lake Street. I work in the Winchell neighborhood. I work at Winchell Elementary School. I just wanted to say that When you took the parking away off of Broadway, it's a four-way lane for two cars to go down, one to go one way and one to go the other way, and then you took the parking away from in front of the school. There's nowhere for anybody to park anymore. A lot of the teachers and the staff have to park in the church parking lot because there's no parking. I wish you'd give Broadway one side of the street for parking back again, but back to something else. I'm calling about my neighborhood, which is Southtown neighborhood. When are you going to fix the storm sewers in my neighborhood? When we flood, your storm sewers back up in our homes and in our streets. A backflow is not the answer to the question. You need to fix the infrastructure in our neighborhood. You won't accept our neighborhood. We we should be the 23rd neighborhood, which you created it in 2015. But you won't let us speak on anything we want. You've been trying to take away our green space, the only one left in our neighborhood. Which is from Lake to Stockbridge. This is the only one we have left in our neighborhood that helps us with flooding. And if you take this away to build, our homes will be underwater because you build up higher than our homes. You don't listen to the people. People ask you all the time. I've been asking you the same question for six years. Please fix the infrastructure where it needs to be fixed—not water lines, storm sewers, the storm drains in the street—and leave our green space alone. That is the only thing that helps us with flooding. Our green space is now in the NFP, which doesn't mean it's safe because you can still take it away and build on it. Thank you. I hope you listen to the people for a change instead of just ignoring me every time I come to talk. Thank you.
2: That was the last call. Thank you very much for managing that, Deputy City Manager Chamberlain. And I want to thank everyone who took the time and made the effort to either attend the meeting uh, this evening to provide your public comments or to call in. I appreciate that very much. Next, we are on to our consent agenda for the evening. Deputy City Manager Lamb.
7: Item 1, approval of a sole source purchase with Dean Boiler to rebuild and upgrade the number 1 boiler for the snowmelt system in the amount of $181,423. 2, approve a contract with Balcoma Excavating Incorporated for the 2022 miscellaneous water work. 3, approval of one year contract with Ferguson Waterworks for the purchase of the 2022 miscellaneous water inventory in the amount of $796,338.73. 4. Adoption of a resolution approving a request from the Downtown Development Authority to levy a tax rate of 1.9638 mills. 5. Adoption of a resolution confirming the 2022 assessment roll. 6. Adoption of a resolution adopting the 10th Amendment to the City's revised Brownfield Plan. Seven, adoption of a resolution approving and adopting an Act 381 Brownfield plan for a redevelopment project located at 315 East Frank Street. Eight, approval of a housing development fund housing for all loan in the amount of 400000 for gap financing to construct affordable housing units at 315 East Frank Street. Nine, approval of a housing development fund loan in the amount of 750,000 for gap financing to construct senior affordable housing units at 530 South Rose Street. 10, approval of the following appointments to boards and commissions. The appointment of Nathan Browning to the Community Development Act Advisory Committee as an at-large member for a term expiring on March 31st, 2025 the appointment of Megan Campanile to the Community Development Act advisory committee as the Stewart neighborhood representative for a term expiring on March 31st, 2025. The appointment of Joseph Hoyer to the Community Development Act advisory committee as an at large member for a term expiring on March 31st, 2024. The appointment of Stephanie Valor to the Community Development Act advisory committee as the Northside neighborhood representative for a term expiring on March 31st, 2025. The appointment of Tiana Williams to the Community Development Act Advisory Committee as the Edison neighborhood representative for a term expiring on March 31st, 2025. And the appointment of Jared Berdue to the Zoning Board of Appeals as an alternate member for a term expiring on March 31st, 2025. Item 11, approval and acceptance of an easement with Texas Township for Water Main installed as part of the Sixth Street South Tank and Water Main Extension Project. 13. Approval of the minutes from the City Commission meetings on April 4th, April 18th, May 2nd, May 16th, and June 6th, 2022. And 14. Approval of the sale of 3408 Hoover to Zoo Neighborhood Housing Services for the price of 500 and that's to postpone until July 5th, 2022.
2: Uh, thank you very much, DCM Lamb. Commissioners, the requested action is a motion to approve Items 1 through 11 and item 13 and postpone item 14 until July 5th, 2022. And authorize the city manager to sign all related documents on behalf of the city. Is there a motion? So moved. Motion made by Commissioner Decker. Support. Support. Supported by Vice Mayor Cooney. Kirk Morris, will you please call the roll?
0: Commissioner Hess? Yes. yes. Commissioner Hoffman? Yes. Commissioner Suarez, Yes. Commissioner
34: Pareto. Uh, Yes, I'm gonna abstain on items six, seven, and eight as uh, Jamari Bogan, who is president of uh, Bogan Development, uh, is a, a member of our board of directors who is my boss at Community Homeworks.
0: Vice Mayor Cooney. Yes. Mayor Anderson. Yes. Commissioner Decker. Yes.
2: Thank you, commissioners. Items on the consent agenda are approved. Now is the time for our regular agenda deputy city manager lamb
7: yes item h1 is adoption of an ordinance to amend section 3324 of the Kalamazoo City code to permit fishing at Millen Park and Blanch Hill preserve
2: Thank You DCM lamb is there a staff report on this item
7: there is not but we have staff present if there's any questions
2: any questions on this item from Commission see none is there anyone in the audience who would like to comment on this item? See no one, the recommended action is a motion to adopt the ordinance, is there a motion? So moved. Motion made by Commissioner Hoffman, support, supported by Commissioner Pradle. Any discussion? See none, Deputy Clerk Moss, please call the roll.
0: Commissioner Hoffman. Yes. Commissioner. Juarez. Yes. Commissioner Pradle? Yes. Vice Mayor Cooney. Yes. Mayor Anderson. Yes. Commissioner Decker. Yes. Commissioner Hess. Yes.
2: Thank you very much. Commissioners. Item H1 is approved. Next is item H2 on the regular agenda. Deputy City Manager Lamb.
7: Approval of the budget amendment of five hundred thousand for the Kalamazoo Police Athletic League to administer the operation of the athletics and activities planned for twenty twenty two from American Rescue Plan Act funds.
2: Thank you, DCM Lamb. Is there a staff report on this item?
7: Yes, I'd like to invite Chief Coakley and Parks and Rec Director Patrick McFerry to the front to give you more information on this item.
2: Good to see you gentlemen. Chief, it's nice to have you on our agenda more than once this evening. And Patrick.
1: Um, back at the um, April 18th meeting uh, when we came to start the youth summer programming process, uh, we mentioned that we would come back the detailed budget and explanation of the program um, using for PAL. Um, So this evening in this PowerPoint presentation, uh, it'll highlight some of the activities and the athletics that we have planned for the summer. And then Chief Coakley and I can answer any questions on those and give you a brief overview of how things are going thus far. Um, So first off here in the very beginning, this is the uh, Kalamazoo PAL logo that we've had created. Uh, Chief Coakley. Uh, did an excellent job on this. This will be on um, all of the uniforms that the uh, the children will wear and all of the activities and the athletics that we have. So we're very excited about that. Um, One of the first programs that we have um, on this next list is the Summer Soccer League that actually began on June 4th um, and they're playing on Saturdays currently now at Emerald Park um, another program that we'll be administering is the Junior Midnight Basketball League that we played at K College. Along with the Junior, um, we'll have Men's Midnight Basketball League. <clears throat> uh, we will be having an amazing three-on-three basketball event right here across the street at Bronson Park on July 23rd. And Chief Coakley has a pretty special announcement about that this evening. And then we'll finish up um, highlighting the Rocket Football League as well. Uh, So our Summer Soccer League is a partnership we've developed with uh, El Concilio and Academia Azteca. Um, They are actually overseeing the soccer league as it's being played currently. Like I said, the games are being played at Emerald Park and at Mayors Riverfront Park. Uh, There are four divisions that uh, they have of players. It's both boys and girls. And the budget um, for that program this year is $5,160, which includes uniforms for the players, uh, some of the supplies that they were lacking that they uh, needed, and also the referees for the games. Uh, our next program that will begin here in a few, for, few short weeks, uh, Junior Midnight Basketball League. Uh, those, that will be for players ages 13 to 17. It will be played at K College. Uh, Chief Coakley uh, did a great job securing that venue for both the Junior and the Men's League. We plan to run that from July through August. Uh, each player that plays will receive a free pair of basketball shoes as part of the program. Uh, the coaches that will be overseeing the youth uh, will be volunteers from the Men's Midnight Basketball League, so kind of a coordination with both uh, the men that will be playing, kind of mentoring the juniors Um, and then the budget for this program is $50,940 which includes uniforms, referees, supplies, the yearly license for the um, Midnight Basketball League, uh, insurance, we plan to have awards, and then a program banquet for the juniors at the end of the the program. Next uh, is the resurgence of the men's Midnight Basketball League. A lot of people that are actually excited about this coming back. Uh, Games, like I said, will be played at K College again. Um, They'll uh, both the junior and the men's will be having the junior league will be having a practice on Monday evenings from 5 to 8 when the program starts and then games will be played on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The juniors will start at 5 end about 8 o'clock. The men will begin at 9 and finish up with their last game starting at midnight. Um, this program will run from June to, or July to August as well. Uh, players will receive a free pair of shoes. Uh, in, this, in this program, we actually have stipends for the coaches. Um, there will also be uh, workshops prior to the games uh, for all the players, um, highlighting employment, educational resources, financial literacy, and crime prevention.
8: I just want to jump in there, uh, leadership, because those workshops before the games, they are mandatory. So you just don't play for free and get free gym shoes. There are several educational uh, workshops that will be uh, presented to those players before the games. So that, uh, again, uh, healthy choices within our community and we are informing and educating not only the men, but the youth.
1: Uh, the budget for this program is $60,520, which includes the uniforms for the players, stipends for the coaches, uh, the referees, supplies, the yearly license for bas- midnight basketball, also awards and then some of the workshops for the players. Uh, the 3-on-3 basketball tournament that I mentioned here at Bronson Park is uh, Saturday, July 23rd. The age ranges for the players will be from 9 to 17, both male and female. Uh, there'll be a Southwest Michigan's Works Job Fair, uh, along with the three on three tournament. And then I'm going to turn this over to Cheek Coakley to uh, announce
35: this.
8: <laughs> I am excited, leadership. Uh, as you know, uh, earlier this month, I, I had the opportunity to go out to Atlantic City and be a part of the National PAL convention which we were able to bring back and be informed and educated and also was able to uh, give uh, others across this great country of ours uh, what we do and how we do it here at Kalamazoo. They were excited to hear what we do and how we're doing and how and we are in our infancy have done so much with so little time. So again, I want to thank you, the commission, our community for these dollars to be able to uh, implement such a great program that I'm a product of from the great city of Detroit. So with that, I had the opportunity to speak to the CEO of the National Pal, Jeff Hood, who has gone to be present for our three-on-three basketball. So we're bringing him here to see what we do and how we do it and how great we are here in the city of Kalamazoo. So thank you.
1: All right. And along with that, um, the three-on-three basketball tournament will actually be free to all the participants, uh, which is something that we're very proud to be able to offer. Um, we've also got a partnership with uh, Meyer and then Southwest Michigan Works uh, to do the job fair. Um, this did not require any budget dollars from the request for this year. Uh, the Parks and Rec Department was actually able to cover the entry fees for all the players along with uh, public safety. And then finally, uh, our largest program that uh, we have will be the Rocket Football Program. Uh, This will run August through November. Uh, All games will be played at Mayors Riverfront Park. Uh, We'll have three divisions, which will include seven and under, 7U, 9U, 11U. And then each team will also have cheerleaders um, participating with their teams. Um, We are very proud to be able to provide equipment for the teams. Um, That was something that was brought up uh, in all of our meetings, both from the executive board from Powell and also the directors of the teams. There were some teams that actually did not have proper equipment, proper fitting equipment to be able to continue their programs. Um, We are working and are in the process of being able to provide equipment for those teams for the PAL league uh, and have those on hand for future years. Um, you'll notice in the budget dollars, this is, this is quite a bit for this program. However, being able to actually purchase uh, helmets and shoulder pads for the teams will be a huge commitment and it will also provide safety for the players um, playing throughout the program. We'll actually be able to have those helmets on hand for quite a few years <clears throat> and there's a refurb- refurbishment process that those can go through every three years that um, we'll be able to manage and actually make sure that all the equipment is safe for the players to utilize Um, all of the coaches uh, through our pal league will be usa certified Um, they'll also be safe sports certified that was in conjunction with discover kalamazoo that we will offer that to all the coaches Uh, and each coach will go through a background check um, we estimate having 420 players to play in rocket football. That also um, gives us 210 cheerleaders to be part of those programs as well. Um, the budget is $252,308, which includes uniforms, equipment, supplies, and then temporary staffing to help us administer the programs. And like I said before, the equipment purchases are the largest portion of the budget this year, along with the uniforms that wouldn't be reoccurring in years uh, in the future. So, And one thing that I wanted to throw on here at the end um, was the mission of the National PAL organization that we kind of take to heart here. Um, The National Association of Police, Police Athletic Activities League and its chapters work nationwide promoting the prevention of juvenile crime and violence by building relationships among kids. National PAL is an organization based on the conviction that young people, if reached early enough, are more likely to become productive adults and agents of change. Chief, you have any closing comments? I'd just like to add, this is
8: years of subcommittees and meetings. And 25 years ago, when I brought this to the leadership at that time, The vision wasn't there, and I understand. Today, the vision is here. You, the leadership, you, the community, has said enough is enough. We have to do something different. And I'm appreciative to that. The men and women of Kalamazoo Department of Public Safety, Parks and Rec, and this community, and you, the leadership, has said enough is enough. Let's do something different. Again, my appreciation for the opportunity to do this for our community is overwhelming for me. Thank you so much, Commissioner.
2: Thank you, Chief, for your leadership. Any questions? Commissioner Hess.
4: Thank you for that presentation. I, um, having had a career in sport, I know that sport is an amazing vehicle to deliver education and positive messages to our youth. That said, um, I have a questions about the girls. Um, are, is there a, a girls' division in the junior midnight basketball league?
8: Girls are allowed to play within the or the junior midnight basketball league. We have not separated boys and girls at this time.
4: Okay. Um, so that said. Um, how about rocket football? Can girls play football?
8: Yes, Commissioner Hess, girls can play.
4: Can boys be cheerleaders?
8: Boys can be cheerleaders, yes, Commissioner Hess.
4: It's oh, <laughs> Checking on the equity, thank you. Yeah, thank you, I really appreciate your work
36: on this and I support it fully.
8: Thank you, Commissioner Hess.
2: Commissioner Juarez.
36: Yeah, so I've I've had the opportunity to enroll my sons into the, um, the soccer league at the Hispanic American Council. Um, and they're just really joyful about it. My my one son, he's eight years old, Zachariah. Um, he's more excited about it than my 10-year-old. Um, my 10-year-old is really excited about Rocket football. And so um, it's just really good to be out there during practices. My wife's at, at practice with them probably right now. Um, and just to see the kids out there and enjoying themselves and having that opportunity to be to have that league is super important. Now, I was able to coach one of the teams during Friday's games, and we had a young lady on our team who was phenomenal. Like, she was kicking these boys' butts, right? Like, it was just amazing to see that happening. Um, but I am I am um, wondering and concerned um, because I think, just as much as um, rocket football is really, you know, and it's the budget for that is really expensive. Uh, We need to consider what that looks like for coaches and refs during those soccer leagues too. Uh, You have families that are invested in that. Like I've seen the whole sidelines filled with parents there sitting in their lawn chairs, enjoying that time and watching their kids be able to be part of this league. And so that blesses my heart um, and I hope to work closely with you guys and see how we can continue to fund these programs because they're really needed. Now, there is probably my maybe 30 to 60 students in the soccer league, uh, but there's a ton more. There's a ton more, right? And so we need to capture them. Like you said, it is very important for us to capture these youth at a very young age prevention. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Other questions? Mr. Prado?
34: Yeah, I just want to share for a second how stinking proud I am of both, both of you for all this work that you put into it. You both are really new to your roles. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, uh, dire- Director McBerry, you're really new to your role. And you just hit the ground running with this. Uh, I remember with our retreat in the first quarter, I remember distinctively saying that, you know, we need to find a, a North Star for our youth, you know, so that we keep pushing the needle until every single kid in this community, every day they wake up, have some positive outlet, to look forward to, some positive mentorship. I mean, you were just talking here, just we're talking about rocket football alone. We're talking 630 youth, both men and women, who are gonna have positive mentorship. You know, like Commissioner Hess was saying, positive, um, learning positive skills. And I just wanted to take a minute to pause of just like what the city has done just in the last month, what the city commission has voted on. $825,000 to KidNet, to support over 30 organizations with the directive to try to support youth who would otherwise not have found opportunities to stay involved. $825,000 for the My City YOU program for summer youth and employment training opportunities for our kids this summer. $500,000 we're talking about today to support our youth. We're talking about in less than a month, a historic investment in our youth of over $2.1 million to support our youth and give them something positive. How amazing is that as a community? And we're just getting started. I challenge us as a community to keep putting our foot on that gas until every single kid in this community has something positive to do. I'd much rather us be responding with our officers to play three on three, pick up with each other, than responding to a shootout at McDonald's on Stadium Drive. And this is gonna make sure that our young people have that opportunity to do that work. So thank you, hats off to you. Thanks to the commission who's been on the youth subcommittee and uh, just just keep up the great work. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Prado. Questions for Vice Mayor Cooney?
6: No, just comments. It's amazing what you've been able to do in such a short period of time. And it's just wonderful. And uh, um, just the interaction that you're gonna have with young people is so great. Thank you so much for what you're doing.
4: One more question.
2: Just Um, gonna see, make sure everyone had a chance. Anyone else, any comments or questions? Commissioner Decker?
37: I would just echo what the rest of my commissioners have also said, great job. Just one
2: question. Mr. Hess, yes.
4: Uh, one question. Well, first of all, thank you Kalamazoo College for, for providing that facility. I spent 35 years in that facility and it's got good bones. Um, is Midnight Basketball a national organization?
8: That is correct, Commissioner Hess. Okay. It is a national organization, which we are a part of.
4: Okay, thank you.
2: Mr. Pradel.
34: I just forgot one thing, and I think I'd be remiss not doing this. We need to take a pause as well to recognize Commissioner Eric Cunningham. Uh, for six years, he just kept pounding on the door saying that we need, as our, as our Parks and Rec team, and, uh, need to invest in uh, Rocket Football. And, you know, it, it would not have gotten to this, this final spot tonight to, to vote on this without his leadership and vision and audacity to just keep, you know, pounding that door until he made it happen. Um, So I just want to give a hats off to him as well for his uh, leadership and vision on that over the course of his his term.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Prado. Other comments or questions for the team here? So just one last thing. I know that this isn't so much of a question, but I assume you heard that Don and I were thinking about putting together a team for the three and three basketball tournament. (laughs) I see the age limit has
6: cut us out just over there. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for the age limit.
17: Skill set, skill set too, sir. (laughs) You guys are just one year old, too old. (laughs) Thanks
2: once again. Uh, Is there anyone in the audience who would like to come forward and comment on this item? Oh, the the item that we're about to act on here, which is item H2, it's the budget amendment for PALS. That's the topic that we're discussing right now, about to vote on. All set?
35: Okay. Commission, I'm Reed Schultz, West South Street, Kalamazoo. Uh, Looking through the budget, I see it's heavily weighted for football. And seeing some of the comments, it's like, yeah, you all are in favor of that, but uh, you know, $90,000 for player uniforms, $25,000 for cheerleaders, 100—well, at least I assume the $130,000 for cheer for equipment can be reused year to year, whereas other sports are only getting five or six thousand dollars. Now, I know that this is the American Recovery Act money, which is the COVID-19 money, so I'm sure to you it's a windfall of free money, but I just am not sure this is a responsible use of the money. Personally, yes, a football program, the midnight basketball is great, but the other money just seems heavily weighted, a quarter of a million dollars for kid football. Personally, I'd rather send the money to Ukraine, rather than having it just, we have money, we have to spend it. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Next, please.
22: Schneider in the city of Kalamazoo. Yes, I support the gentleman's comment, although overall, these sound like great programs. Uh, Just also, I think most of us are aware of the issue, especially with younger children, of concussion. I don't know about rocket football. Is that not an issue? They don't do tackling football. There's care taken to protect uh, against traumatic uh, brain injury, I hope. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Next, please.
22: Ms. Becca Jones, I'm a
28: current candidate for the 8th District Court. I did come up here just to give a brief public comment on this. Uh, One of the things that we talk about uh, a lot in the court system uh, is having something for the youth to do. Um, Kind of the idle hands is the devil's playground kind of thing. Um, I can just say for myself, uh, I couldn't support something like this more for this community. Uh, Giving the children something to do uh, on a regular basis and being consistent with that over time. That is how we change things, I think, locally. Thank you.
2: Thank you. So anyone else that wants to comment on this item? See, no one. Uh, the recommended action, commissioners, is a motion to approve the budget amendment. Is there a motion? So move. Motion made by Commissioner Juarez. Support. Supported by Vice Mayor Cooney. Any further discussion? Commissioner Hess.
4: I wonder if um, either Patrick or or chief could speak to the question from the the asker here about CTE and and head injury in Rocket Football.
8: Thank you for that Commissioner Hess and our leadership. First of all, uh, as uh, Director McVary uh, mentioned that the coaches will be trained by USA um, that uh, within that training, there is a, uh, a segment about uh, concussions. And are, then the coaches have to go through that training to be trained that will then be transformed over in the practice and the skill set to the youth on how to play the game safely, how to make a tackle safely, how to block safely or also uh, by this great leadership and community we are sending 60 of our youth pal football uh, athletes to michigan state university football tomorrow to learn the game okay we are intentional about the game and teaching the game informing and educating our players our coaches how to play the game correctly. Because we do have volunteers that come out and play, when I played, and teaching the wrongs, the the wrong and incorrect way to use uh, the technique. So we are doing those things.
4: Super, thank you.
8: If I may add to the gentleman uh, that mentioned about the dollar amount, yes, football is expensive yes the equipment is expensive it will be a one-time fee for us for the neck at least a minimum five years to use this equipment it will be refurbished every year okay that and we will take that equipment back and house it within the city of Kalamazoo in order to reuse it it's a one-time fee the uniforms will also be brought back to continue to use for the teams. So we will not give that away. We will continue to wash and reissue those uniforms. I hope that answers your questions, leadership.
2: Commissioner Prado, did you have another question or? No, that's
34: it. Mr. Mayor, I was just gonna ask him to, Chief, if you would speak to the uh, gentleman who spoke about the cost. But uh, kind of beyond that, I just, in terms of your perspective, you know, you've been a highly engaged you know, leader in the community. You know, can you speak to why rocket football is so meaningful and you know, so many people are so passionate about rocket football in our community?
8: Thank you, Commissioner Pareto for that question. Rocket football has been going on for a long time in this community. It has been segmented and gone several different ways in which you mentioned uh, former commissioner Cunningham has been a part of. My family has been a part of that. My father-in-law has been a part of that in the inception of Rocket Football. So that's why it's dear to me and that it gets off to a great start. Young men in this urban community need healthy choices as we talked about. To Commissioner Hess's point, sport is the carrot to bring them to us sport is the carrot i'm going to say that again it's just the carrot to bring them to us then we get the opportunity to educate and inform them of what's going on in the community to take healthy choices keep them within us so they can be and i see and i i'm going to say i'm a success story of more young people like me that look like me it's important football many young men and some young ladies to Commissioner Hess's point like the game and we want to see them play the game safely in our community not segmented we need we needed our own league using our facilities and that's why we're here today you gave us that opportunity and i'm thankful for that i am so thankful when we start how great we are Mm. and what we're going to do so i hope that answered that question thank you so much commission
2: any other questions at this time
36: um just just a comment i think to the ladies um, comments and concerns about the safety of our youth is super important and I think you guys are taking that into consideration. In um, the comment of the gentleman, um, inner cities uh, need these kind of things, right? And um, it is super important for us to. And me and Don, we we talked about this from the beginning of the youth development stuff that we need to reach more youth where they're at, and it's super important for that. And I just. I just want our community to know that we support that. We support creating those moments where mentors and mentees can come together and make a difference. Right? We support that. It's not just about the game. It's not just about the uniforms. And if you ask me 200 and some thousand dollars, it's not enough. Our youth are worth more than that. And so I want that to be recognized in our community. It's just not about the dollar amount, it's just not about the equipment, it's about the connection that happens that transforms lives. And for us to make a suggestion to use American money in Ukraine baffles me.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Juarez. Any, any other discussion, comments on this? All right. Uh, the recommended action is a motion to approve the budget amendment. Is there a motion? So move. Motion made by. Did I already do this? I knew this was getting away from me. All right. <laughs> OK, so any more discussion? We won't have to do things twice. Thank you for someone for paying attention. Deputy Clerk Moslem,
0: will you please call the roll? Commissioner Juarez. Yes. Commissioner Pradle? Yes. Vice Mayor Cooney. Yes. Mayor Anderson. Yes. Commissioner Decker. Yes. Commissioner Hess. Yes. Commissioner Hoffman.
37: Yes.
2: Thank you, Commissioners. Item H2 is approved. Deputy City Manager Lamb.
7: Yes, real quick, wanted to do another thank you for Kalamazoo College, for President Gonzalez for inviting the city and the community in using their facilities free of charge. We really appreciate the partnership uh, and all the other partners that are making this possible. Item H3 on the regular agenda is adoption of a resolution to adopt a community sustainability plan. We have no staff presentation because we've had that previously, but staff are here and happy to answer any questions that you might have.
2: Okay, appreciate that. So that's this is not the first... Uh, time we've talked about this and I guess I'll just I'll do a little reminder here just for us as a commission and uh, it's all on me but I just want to remind people that we we do two things one is we have an opportunity to ask questions which we have been primarily been using to make comments I get that and then when we make our motion that's our time for discussion and that's the appropriate time to make comments so anyway that helps us keep our kind of our Uh, Steps our business approach here uh, going forward. And I I know it's it's a kind of a small point of order, but Uh, I presume the city attorney would support me on that notion. Um, So at this point, commissioners, do you have any questions related to this item that is before us you'd like to ask of staff? Commissioner Pradle? Hi.
34: All right, thank you. I just had a couple questions. I just thought it'd be helpful as we kind of conclude this hopefully tonight. Um, I was wondering, you heard about the ECC recommendations uh, and uh, heard uh, uh, Chair Wright talk about uh, some of the, the thought processes that they enthusiastically re- support the report, but there were a few things they said, hey, we really wanna make sure that we just take it over, over the top. And uh, one of them was um, in terms of staffing, I um, just wanted to get your thoughts in terms of, you know, uh, there've been conversations about that. Do we, do we feel like, um, you know, we have the bandwidth and capacity as a community to, to knock this out of the park over the next 10 years?
38: Thank you, Commissioner Prado. I'll let uh, City Planner Christina Anderson answer that question.
7: Christina, could you
39: also introduce Nolan? I'm not sure if the Commission's had a chance to meet him. So we are kind of taking um, the place of the great Jamie McCarthy who is out today. Uh, This is Nolan Bergstrom. Uh, Nolan is our community planner. Uh, Prior to that, he served as our AmeriCorps member uh, and when he was at uh, Western Michigan interned with us. So he's been with us for almost three years now. He was instrumental in working with Jamie uh, for the creation of this plan and all the outreach and engagement that went along with it, as well as the Natural Features Protection Phase 2, uh, which some of you may remember from last year. Um, okay, so as it relates to staffing, uh, kind of handle those questions. No one's going to be your key for plan questions. You know, we spent a lot of time thinking about what the best way to implement this work is. You know, we have a history from Imagine Kalamazoo, from neighborhood plans. You know, we don't do plans to do because we need something to do, right? We do it, we listen to the community, and we implement those ideas. Um, And so we uh, thought about how to best implement the community sustainability plan. And the proposal that we have in is for a new staff member, um, but it is a doer, not a director. Now, ultimately, we may need a director, we may need to, a, a department with, with multiple staff. There are a few cities in Michigan that have that, not very many that have multiple staff. Um, but we felt that in order to move this plan along in the quickest way, what we needed was a doer. And so we have a community a sustainability planner um, that will take um, the low-hanging fruit, A lot of which is internal and getting us set up to do all the good work to collect the data. We heard one of the things that the ECC thought was very important, was making sure that we were um, being uh, data-driven both in our approaches and then uh, checking in on our successes. And so that is a big role for this person. There's a lot of internal coordination that needs to happen, uh, like shared prosperity. Uh, sustainability is something that weaves its way through every department and every division in the city and so there's going to be a lot of internal coordination uh, including an internal working group to make sure that the actions of each department that we're all kind of rowing the boat in the same direction and moving forward to meet these goals and for those reasons we thought that the best approach for now, the quickest way to get out of the gate would be to have someone who could do that work for us and set the stage for how we want to progress in the future. And if that is a department.
34: You actually answered my next question It was about the, uh, the staff work group. So thank you for that as well. The other one is one of the recommendations was about regional leadership and coordination. And I was just curious in terms of like how you envision, you know, our role as a, a regional leader here in in Southwest Michigan to like bring everybody else on board so that we're not just implementing it here ourselves, but are uh, leading on this front?
38: Yeah, so I can maybe speak to that question. Um, A lot of the programming already occurring in the city uh, have established partnerships with key stakeholders, um, like Consumers Energy, uh, for example, for anything energy related. We also uh, were a part of uh, an EcoAdapt uh, workshop, which was an intensive process bringing together thirty stakeholders from the county, municipalities, um, contractors, um, to, to talk about sustainability at scale. So not just the city, but the county as well. And the city is a key player in that, in you know being a leader for the county, um, not only because of the resources and diversity here but also a lot of the established programs that are going on already so.
34: And then uh, lastly you know first of all caveat this is amazing I'm not trying to diminish any of this by any of these questions but um, like to play just devil's advocate for this but you know one of the other items was about bold leadership right so you know what do we do to you know show that we're gonna just knock this out of the park and uh, you know really lead on this and so you know one of the the comments that I heard from from somebody was that you know it's a lot of like small great strategies that add up to something big right and you know what is you know what is that like you know kind of directional thing that moves us all in the same direction that's easy to understand that 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 we can all get behind as a community that all 660 plus employees can get excited and behind you know what would we what would we what would we say to those individuals that you know
38: Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think a key component of that is going to be this internal working group, um, and just bolstering uh, the interdepartmental collaboration that we um, we need to see for this plan to be successful. We already have a good base with a lot of programs, um, like the lead service line replacements, lead safe homes program. I mean, public services, economic development, arm of planning, and then planning staff are all working in tandem. Uh, on a lot of programming already, so I think the integration of that working group will be other departments and all the different roles um, those leaders can play a part, as a part of that group to help guide the work. Uh, not only uh, establishing priority and programming and you know what actions we can um, implement, you know now, but also looking at maybe ways to reach out um, to the community and make sure that. Uh, work, the work plan you know, plan itself is being implemented equitably
2: Thank you Commissioner Priddle. Any questions for city team here at this time? Commissioner Hess
4: I wonder if the doer position would be able to come to the commission kind of like the odor task force on a quarterly basis and give us updates is that in the plan? Is I'd love to know all the good things we're doing.
39: So um, it is specifically noted in our request for staff that working with our existing boards and giving reports and coordinating all the efforts will be part of that person's role. And so we can set up reports with this commission, with ECC, um, to figure out you know the best route and what the, uh, the increment of those updates are as we go along. Um, but we do like to celebrate as we move things forward, not just to say we've got something done, but it's part of telling a story. And like a lot of other work that we do, some of this it builds on each other. And so coming in to talk about um, small successes and how they lead to the next step will be something that we will want to continue to do with this plan like we do with others.
38: Yeah, and, and just yeah. to add-on to that. Please too. make sure you're close enough to the microphone yep. just so people watch. Sorry. yeah. I got it. Um, But just to add on to um, the answer, uh, you know, it'll be important that the document will be, um, will set a precedence and hold staff accountable to to implement. That will be the main focus of the plan itself, to be something that's constantly evaluated and, um, you know, adaptable if it needs to be in true sustainable fashion. So. Uh, that's the hope anyway
2: thank you Commissioner Hess any other questions for our city team who are here Or well, thank you very much and please uh, thank Jamie McCarthy for us for all her work it would have been nice if she could have been here this evening so uh, with our city team leaving is there anyone in the chambers here who would like to comment on this item which is specifically H3, uh, and it is related to the Community Sustainability Plan.
10: Yes. Hello, I'm Sharon Deaver, a member of the Environmental Concerns Committee and a resident of the city of Kalamazoo. Several years ago, we declared a climate emergency in the city of Kalamazoo and we're now in 2022. We are ready to adopt the Community Sustainability Plan. I hope you have had time to review the 199 page document that has been worked on on many levels. This is one step towards serious work that needs to be done on a local level to prepare for the years to come. Tonight, I will stress the number one recommendation of the Environmental Concerns Committee's recommendation that was unanimously voted for, staffing. The ECC recommends the city staff hire a dedicated director-level staff member to begin implementation of the Community Sustainability Plan as soon as possible, including reallocation of the fiscal year 2022 funding immediately to immediately begin the hiring process. This is a critical aspect to ensure that real action can be taken. I hope you understand that this is more than semantics, but that you know that this is necessary for the person in charge of implementing this document to have the ability to make changes and without being held back by unnecessary bureauc- bureaucratic ap- obstacles as a doer and a director that has the ability to bridge those gaps interdepartmentally. In general, for the Community Sustainability Plan, this is a critical step towards real action for reducing the impacts of climate change on a local level. I ask that you take this as serious as it is, with the understanding that this is a very real issue that we will be dealing with for years to come, as we are in a climate emergency. Thank you for your time.
2: Thank you very much. Anyone else would like to make comments?
19: Commissioners, name's Ian Magnuson again. Thank you for hearing me earlier. Um, I thought I'd just offer a little clarification on at least my view on why we voted unanimously for the director level um, recommendation. Um, I don't disagree with any of the facts or details uh, that city planner Anderson and planner uh, Bergstrom mentioned. Um, It's merely an aspect of interpretation and follow through. Um, so I understand the distinction she's making about a doer versus a director. Um, my position is basically that when something becomes everybody's responsibility, then it can quickly become nobody's responsibility. And the challenges for accountability, uh, increase dramatically from there. Um, having worked with Jamie McCarthy over the last couple years on this plan has been great. I was a part of the ad hoc committee that helped, uh, draft the plan. Um, But it did did become clear that there are roadblocks that she would encounter that a director level position uh, would not uh, run into in terms of timing, prioritization, and the ability to make some decisions themselves versus waiting for whoever would be their uh, direct report. So that's essentially my thinking of it, just to, again, add more accountability, more follow through, uh, and basically somebody to kind of own the position. So um, in conclusion, uh, thank you for your consideration and hard work on uh, this and for reading a 200-page document in preparation for the meeting today. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone
2: else who would like to make a comment on this item? Seeing no one, the recommended action is a motion to adopt the resolution. Is there a motion? So moved. Motion made by Commissioner Hess. Second. Supported by Commissioner Decker. Any discussion or comments? Mm -hmm. Vice Mayor Cooney.
6: Yes, um, it's a wonderful document and, and I thank all of you for all the hard work that went into that. I am strongly in favor of a director. I think that we need that to carry through with this plan. We we all agree how important this is, how great a document we have. I think we have to have somebody in place who's going to make this carried through.
2: Any other discussion or comments, Mr. Hess?
4: Um, yes, having been the liaison to ECC, I honor the work that you've put into this, making this happen, uh, bringing this to fruition along with Jamie, and I really appreciate Jamie's work on this, along with everyone that's worked on it so far. So I'm definitely in support, and uh, I'm sure the director position will move on as time moves on.
2: Any other discussion or comments? Commissioner Warren?
36: Yeah, I do support that also that director position immediately because it's something that somebody could really look at and, and take in and do that work. Um, starting out with somebody, a strong leader in that position makes sense. And so I just wanted to make that comment. Commissioner Pradle Yeah,
34: I'll echo my colleagues and just share that. You know, I like the idea of knowing that there's somebody at the cabinet level, That's part of all the conversations and decisions to make sure that they're injecting and thinking about sustainability the same way that we prioritize to make our DEI director part of the cabinet so that that person isn't prioritizing DEI throughout the whole organization. Um, We've got to take a pause here for a minute and just like sink in this moment of the fact about what we're about to do. This is a very exciting thing we're about to embark on as a community. Very exciting. Long time in the work. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled about the fact, because I, I, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people say, oh, did you hear about Grand Rapids is doing this, and did you hear about Ann Arbor is doing that? No, I'm ready for the day when, when whether it be sustainability or DEI strategies or how we work with our youth, that, that the communities in Michigan and around the country look to the city of Kalamazoo as the place that does it better than anybody else. And I think this is the first step in making that possible. So I'm incredibly excited about that. I wanted to read two lines in particular from the report that really stuck out to me that I think I really wanted to just sink in in this moment. So one of them is that the CSP serves as a roadmap for the entire community while prioritizing the most vulnerable people, places, and infrastructure. That's a powerful statement. It recognizes how disproportionately vulnerable populations are going to be adversely impacted by the impacts of climate change. And it prepares readily, and I'm going to read this next part. It says the role of city government can play in partnerships with community to create more resilient and a sustainable Kalamazoo. What does resilient mean? It means we're preparing for the day that things could get worse, but we're also taking actions to turn the tide on doing that. That's a big step forward for us as a community. I'm really excited about it, and I'm, I'm ready to enthusiastically support it.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Pradle. Commissioner Huffman.
37: Thank you. I also just want to take time to acknowledge everybody who came uh to speak and, and share their 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 personal experience with this process and those who called in, we do not take it lightly. And one thing that I was told prior to me getting on the commission is, you will have to look at an entire city and not just your neighborhood or one neighborhood. So I just wanted to take the time to acknowledge everybody who came in, who called in and say, we are here with you and we may not always agree, but please know that we have the best interests of this entire community at heart.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Hoffman. Any other discussion or comments? Seeing none, Deputy Clerk Moss, please call the roll.
0: Commissioner Pradle? Yes. Vice Mayor Cooney? Yes. Mayor Anderson? Yes. Commissioner Decker? Yes. Commissioner Hess? Yes. Commissioner Hoffman? Yes. Commissioner Juarez?
2: Yes. Thank you, Commissioners. Item H3 is approved. Next is item H4. Uh, This was an item that was recently added, right?
7: That is correct.
2: So we wanna talk about that a little bit.
7: Sure thing. Item H4, adoption of a notice of intent resolution for the issuance of 2022 capital improvement bonds in an amount not to exceed $18 million. Uh, This is an item that was not in your agenda. It was intended to be your agenda and a little bit about what this is. The adoption of this resolution really begins our process of issuing debt. This is all in line with the adopted 22 budget action that you took earlier. This resolution requires a notice of intent to issue debt to be published in the Gazette. The publication of the notice of intent begins a 45-day referendum period. Assuming the referendum period expires without referendum petitions being submitted, the city could sell the bonds as soon as August 2022. If you've got any additional questions? We certainly have a staff in the audience that can address those.
2: Questions for DCM Lamb on item H four from Commission. Seeing none at this time. Uh, just just a reminder, DCM Lamb. Uh, how did uh, how do we determine that this needed to be added to the agenda? Uh, at this point, and how that work out? Because usually we, we like to have these things published, obviously.
7: And so. understood. It was um, supposed to be on the schedule for today. It did not get added uh, through our electronic system, and so really, in terms of timing, uh, we're, we're all set to go. It's ideal that we go tonight. Realize it's not ideal for you all to get this last minute. Um, but the thought is, we'd like to be able to proceed with the bond schedule as as planned. So we do apologize for for the last minute notice.
2: Appreciate that. Any other? Any questions for DCM lamb at this point hearing no questions uh, is there anyone in the chambers who would like to comment on this item see no one is there uh, the recommended action is a motion to adopt the resolution is there a motion To move motion made by Commissioner Juarez Support supported by Vice Mayor Cooney. Any discussion, Commission? Seeing none, Deputy Clerk Moss, please call the roll.
0: Vice Mayor Cooney. Yes. Mayor Anderson. Yes. Commissioner Decker. Yes. Commissioner Hess. Yes. Commissioner Hoffman. Yes. Commissioner Juarez. Yes. Commissioner Prado.
34: Yes. Thank
2: you, Commissioners. Item H-4 is approved. Next is reports and legislation. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, we that's right. Thank you. All right, so we earlier moved an item from our consent agenda, which was item G12. And so now that is item H5.
7: Item H5, approval of the purchase of 827 and 833 Walter Street from Kalamazoo County Mental Health Authority, DBA, Integrated Services of Kalamazoo, for a purchase price of $10,700.
2: Thank you, DCM Lamb. I presume you had not planned a report on this. Do the commissioners have any questions for city team on this item? Seeing no questions, is there anyone in the audience who would like to comment on this item? I know the individual who requested this item to be moved has left the chambers. So uh, I see no one coming up to speak on it. At this point, uh, the motion is to, for this item, is to, for the approval of the purchase of 827 and 833 Walter Street from Kalamazoo County Mental Health doing business as Integrated Services of Kalamazoo for a purchase price of $10,700. Uh, is there a motion to approve this action? So moved. Motion made by Commissioner Juarez. Support. Support by Commissioner Hess. Any discussion? Seeing none. Deputy Clerk Moss, will you please call the roll?
0: Mayor Anderson.
2: I'm abstaining on this item. I work for the public Nonprofit Integrated Services of Kalamazoo, uh, which is uh, the other part of this sales agreement. So I will not be voting on this.
0: Commissioner Decker. Yes. Commissioner Hess. Yes. Commissioner Hoffman. Yes. Commissioner Juarez. Yes. Commissioner Prado. Yes. Vice Mayor Cooney. Yes.
2: Thank you, Commissioners. The item passes. Now, DCM Lamb.
7: Certainly, for a city manager's report, uh, we do have in the public packet a uh, report on the odor remediation efforts. This is the quarterly report from May 2022. We don't have a presentation plan, but certainly would be happy to entertain questions if you have it.
2: Any questions for city staff at this time? Mission? All right, see none. Anything else, DCM Lamb? Not at this time. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, We don't have uh, unfinished business policy items, but we do have an item under new business. Vice Mayor Cooney. Thank you, Mayor Anderson.
6: Um, All of us know that violence is a scourge in our community, and it is destroying lives. And there are people who are out there pouring themselves out to combat this violence. And we have resources that can support them and we need to use those resources so we need to move forward i'm sure that everyone who is up here feels a sense of urgency to do what we can to stop this violence in the community so we have a subcommittee commissioner hoffman commissioner juarez and myself and we have been working with county commissioners commissioner uh, tammy ray and commissioner jeff Hepler to try to come up with a, a plan, maybe not a plan. I hope we can get to a plan, but at least recommendations about how to move forward on this. So I would ask that we be authorized to meet again and try to come back to the city commission as soon as we can with recommendations about how to move forward to use the resources we have to combat the violence in our community.
2: Other discussion on this item?
36: Uh, Yeah, there, you know, it's, um, gun violence is one of those things that we see like um, Mayor, I mean, Vice Mayor Cooney is talking about, it's happening and and it's alarming to see the age range that it's happening in, right? Um, and and we agree with the county that this is not just a city issue. It's a county and city issue. Together, jointly, we need to make a difference. Um, and I know that the resources we have um, can make a difference. Um, and, and I think the discussions of coming up with that process is super critical to seeing how we honor those who are doing the work in the, on the front line, um, those who are doing the work on this dais, those hard conversations we're having um, and, and trying to get to that point. But it is one of those things that the urgency is there. I do agree with uh, Vice Mayor that the urgency is there and it's overwhelming. Um, and I think we can um, really come to that resolution and say like, let's get this done. It's time. Our community needs it um, and we need to get it done. So I agree. Thank you,
2: Commissioner Juarez. Commissioner Hess.
4: So uh, Vice Mayor and the committee that's been working on this, who currently is already doing the work that we can support at a greater level in this community? Um, Who is currently doing that work, uh, knowing that it wouldn't take the entire amount of our allocation of what was a million dollars? Personally, I don't think that money solves a lot of things. I think that money supports people who solve things. Um, but I just—I'm just wondering who, again, the low-hanging fruit. Where—where where can we support that's already doing the work? See, I, I,
6: go ahead.
4: Oh, <laughs> um,
6: I don't—I don't think you, I can answer that tonight. There are many people in this community who are working very, very hard on this issue. And I don't think a million dollars is going to be nearly enough, nearly. I think we have to spend a lot more money. We have to get very serious about this. and um, and and we have to talk about it in terms of um, not just allocating this money here, but looking at what's really going to make a difference here, and what is this going to cost? Um, I think Mayor Anderson said it the other day. Uh, in a a way that I thought was great. It's not the amount of money that's on the table that should be the question. It's how much do we need? The need and the plan
36: should drive the allocation of the money. Yeah, and I I would agree with um, Vice Mayor Cooney that there's a lot of people working diligently and for years they have been. And I think the, the, the opportunity we have before us to create a process um, that is equitable, right? When we talk about the work we do from the dais and what Dorla presented to us earlier, um, uh, you know, a couple, a few, about a month and a half ago, was it? Um, that it, it? It's super important to look at the process, right? That we wouldn't put ourselves in a position where we exclude people um, and, and that we would honor the fact that people have been doing this for years, right? And so, um, I think that's the that's the that's where we're at with trying to figure things out is the process. How do we get this done equitably and um, and get those resources into the hands of those who've been doing this frontline work for years? Uh, when my son was three years old, he was shot in a drive-by. Uh, one of the most devastating things I've ever had to deal with. And so that's why it's so dear to my heart that we figure this stuff out. And we have to do it in an equitable manner, right? And, that, and that's... I think that's where where, where we're standing right now.
2: Mr. Hoffman.
37: Thank you so much. So we've been having these meetings now for weeks. And so I was asked to to put down my thoughts. So I'm gonna really utilize my commissioner's time right now. So, um, you know, since the pandemic hit in 2020, we've heard this word used over and over again, urgent urgency Uh, for the BIPOC community. Along with low and no income residents of this community, we've had decades of urgent matters. However, they were never heard, responded to, or just plain or ignored for whatever reason. Homelessness, gun violence, infant mortality, hunger, just to name a few, have always been present in our everyday lives and in our communities. We've been crying out, screaming, pleading for justice to show up and show out on our behalf. Yet. It was not urgent enough for the institutions and or organizations who could to listen and move on the BIPOC community's behalf. We've had several organizations and individuals, including myself, working towards solutions and ways to mitigate the social ills so many have been affected by. We've been trying to move within a system that is doing exactly what it was designed to do. Yet we, and I mean the collective, think we can move the needle by operating within a flawed, antiquated system. We cannot continue doing the very things that contribute to uphold injustice, racism, and privilege. Our community has issues to deal with and to think and or believe that we make any significant change without the voices and lived experience of those most affected is disrespectful to the community and to ourselves. We must do something different. We must include the voices with the lived experience and are committed to eradicating these determinants of health and determinants of life in our core neighborhoods. We must must make funding the city has within its coffers to address homelessness, gun violence, infant mortality, and hunger to those individuals and groups that have been and continue to do the work every day. We cannot continue to rely on those groups and organizations with name recognition and status. If that was the remedy, we will all be cured, right? A joint resolution was passed last fall declaring gun violence a public health crisis. A year or two prior, the county passed a resolution stating that racism was a public health crisis. We have an opportunity to create a deep relationship with the county to address our community's ills. This 54th commission, has an opportunity to continue doing the hard work many other commissions started and impacted by being courageous, ingenious, compassionate, and unwavering. It takes more than us just being nice to change a system. It takes the fortitude and the wherewithal to stand in truth and in justice. And if we're not here as a commission, we all said that we wanted to see anti racism, it's been declared. We all talk about equity. Well, then let's be about equity. And what does that look like? Thank
36: you.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Hoffman. Any other discussion or comments? Yeah,
36: um, and, I, and, I, and I agree with Commissioner Hoffman. I, 100%, um, I, w- I had the opportunity to sit and talk to Commissioner Tammy Ray, and she made a comment that resonated with me. And I want the community to understand this. I don't want my children marching and throwing gun rallies, uh, anti-gun rallies, and, and, and continue to keep fighting for the things we can solve today. I don't want my kids to, de- to endure the things I have to endure. This is why I chose to, ran, to run a campaign and be elected. To make a difference for the community, to live in a way where they don't, my children and my grandchildren, I'd hate to see my grandchildren protesting against gun violence. I'd hate to see that, my grandchildren protesting against homelessness and you know, poverty in general. Like, I, I, I don't, I'm not on this dais for that reason. And I know we can come to uh, and do things different. And I agree, we need to do things different. It's, it's no doubt that that needs to happen.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Juarez. Commissioner Pradle.
36: I just had somewhat of a question.
34: You know, um, <clears throat> one of the things that really resonated with me, uh, Commissioner Hoffman, that you brought up over a couple times is about just, you know, just uh, pre- predominantly white patriarchal organizations, how, you know, institutions have been ingrained with, you know, we've got to have a timeline, an end date, urgency, and you know, that's not a path to an anti-racist organization. And you, you, you've lifted that up. So my question, I guess it's not just directly, directed towards you, but just as us as a group. What does arrival look like when we know that we have heard from community? You know, because, I mean, you know, I've been up here two and a half years and I've heard the word urgent. We need action now. I've heard people yell at me. I've had people send me nasty on email. I've had people tell me of every gamut Variety of things that they believe that need to happen with gun violence, including when the original uh, uh, resolution? resolution was 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 passed up to, up to this point, you know, which happened in the fall, and so I just want to make sure, you know, I'm, you know, what, what is that? How do we know when we've arrived when community has been heard? Does that make sense? Because I know one of the things that happened also is we had like a town hall about it and all those kind of things where community members spoke and those sort of things, and I, you know, I I think that would be Hopeful to have a discussion on that end as well.
37: I think, you know, first First and foremost is there was a resolution that was powerfully written and was unanimously um, agreeable by a city and county. Anything that we do should be tied to that resolution. The other piece is we have to acknowledge the individuals who are grassroots that have been doing the work. Um, and thirdly for me, and this is just my perspective and I, I, I totally respect that this is a commission of seven individuals. We have an opportunity to do something creative. And if we can create a process that the city and the county together can honor and work through, how powerful could that be? How powerful could that be? And it doesn't have to be cumbersome. What we learned during the pandemic is we threw out all kinds of barriers to get the money to the individuals being affected by the pandemic. So why would we roll the times back? Why can't we continue to operate in that manner and allow people who are on the ground doing the work to continue doing it and also give them the funding to do it and also build capacity? So that, that's just my perspective.
34: There we are. I guess another question would be, you know, uh, a uh, very well-respected colleague of mine, you know, from the 53rd Commission, uh, Patrice Griffin used to always say, you know, it can be yes and, right? And, you know, one of the things that I guess, uh, and I'll just be honest, I struggle with, with, you know, in the last meeting, there was a proposal by a nonprofit that was like a $548,000 intervention strategy. It included things like individual counseling, group counseling and therapy, group recovery, victim assistance, legal assistance, those sort of things. You know, not definitely, you know, there's there's more practices that are best practices out there or whatever. But, you know, one thing that I know is about when you're in a crisis, you got to deal with things in the moment and be thoughtful about the long-term path to transformation. You know, and one of the things that I I worry about, and it keeps me up at night, is that you know, had there been some intervention for the summer as we get into the warmer months, and, and and for me, every single April I get in touch with my kids from South Chicago, who are now in their like low twenties, because I worry about them, because I know what happens when it gets warm out, and I just want to hear their voice. And I think about our young people in our community on the same path. And I, I worry that there was a missed opportunity for to plug the hole of the ship before we start thinking of the, or um, to stop the, the wound when it, when, it, when it happened before we also started to think about how we're gonna stabilize and, and heal that person long-term. You know, I, symbolically, I see it as the same way as that, you know, here another summer is gonna go by and how many people are we going to lose, and we could have done yes and, because we had $38.9 million of ARPA funding. And, you know, yeah, we allocated a million dollars, yeah, the county allocated a million dollars, but again, let's not stop there, because hmm. we, can, we can stop the bleeding now and heal the systemic problem, if that makes any sense.
36: Yeah. Um I think part of that is that we have to be mindful of not looking at this as a missed opportunity, but an opportunity to be done correctly. Um, When we think about the process and redeeming the process, especially for, you know, community of color um, and how uh, some of these organizations that are working together now more so than they've ever had in our community is by far one of the, the biggest wins we have when it comes to collective impact. You have organizations like JABS, like Straight Motivation, Blocks Club United, uh, Urban Alliance, ISAAC, and many more that are actually meeting together on a regular basis to think and talk and process these um, these thoughts and these ideas and these opportunities. We just had a, uh, a rally against gun violence uh, two weeks ago. We're going to have another one this Saturday at Urban Alliance. And in that, we start to see when we, and there's, and there's certain things for us, when we govern, there's certain things we should put our, our foot on the gas, right, and go. And there's certain things we should take our foot off the gas and just ease up, right? And so there's no doubt that uh, a missed opportunity can lead to a greater success for me. And I know is when we start to restore the process, when things start to fall into alignment and the process is restored, that's when you can start to see a shift in transformation in communities because it's actually honoring and giving dignity to those who have uh, put themselves at risk for a very long time on the front line. And when you, when, and, and, and again, like uh, Commissioner Hoffman said, it can't just be you know giving recognition. It can't just be. It's got to be more than that, right? It's got to be much more than that. And so um, that conversation about us without us can't happen anymore. It just can't, and so I feel like we're actually at a better place now than we first started talking about gun violence, and it might not look like that, the circumstance might not look like that, but you got to dig deep and look at it from a different perspective in order to understand what transformation 10 years from now is going to look like when my kids don't have to stand up and protest because of the decisions we made right now. right? And we know that those, those, those um, organizations are super underfunded, super under-resourced. But it's super important to look at what kind of decision we need to make now that's actually going to transform 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the line. I tell people the stuff I do today will impact today, but it's for the generations to come. right? And sometimes we have to have that wisdom to, to see that fruit that's going to that's be bore in the future and not be able to see it now and be excited about it now you know faith is the substance of things not seen things hoped for and the assurance of things not seen right i hope for this and it's unseen so i gotta believe like i have no tomorrow and i think that's where we land when it comes to restorative processes especially amongst the uh, community of colors but it's a it's one of those Things were in it to win it together, right? Together, it's the most important thing: unity, together, together, together. And I'll stress that in my uh, my comments at the end.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Juarez, Commissioner Hess.
4: Um, can I ask about a timeline moving forward? I mean, we do have a sense of urgency. We do want to get something done. And as Commissioner Priel noted, it's warmer weather; people are out. Um, I think there was a. a scuffle the other night at, uh, at the Y bar. Um, how can we have a timeline so that we can vote this on so we can get this moving.
6: Vice mayor. I don't, I think we have to have a conversation tomorrow. Um, whatever happened before I'm for moving forward. Now, here's where we are and I want to talk tomorrow and see how we can move forward. I think it would be artificial to say we're going to come back in two weeks or we're going to come back in a month. We got to see where we are tomorrow. And
36: and I appreciate that. And just to give recognition to those people who are doing the work on the front line, the police department, we have to give recognition to them. I really want to give a shout out to Assistant or Deputy Chief Boyson. Mad respects to that man. Mad respects to that man to continue to come to the table. Mad respects to him for not giving in and giving up. When he had the opportunity to retire, he didn't. Because he knew the work was so important that the mindset he had, he couldn't just pass it on just yet. Right? This type of stuff, like the conversation, it's super important to, to, to dialogue about that stuff and really get to the heart of it. But we would be dismissive to say that it's just community. It's not just community. It's not just leaders in the community. It's not just organizations. It's not just government. It's not just police department. It's all of us. And so I, I my hat's off to the police department and Chief Coakley and what they've been doing to try to be more progressive in, in dealing with things on a whole different level. When, when assist, uh, Deputy Chief Boyson made the statement that we've been doing policing wrong, that that was huge that was huge and so I'm for me I'm honored to call him my friend I'm all honored to be in the work with him um and I think he's he's like that recognition to all those people who've been doing it on the front line right it's super important for us to see that before we can say definitely this right so I appreciate that vice mayor
2: Any other discussion on this item at this point? I'll say, so, so I'll say a few things. First of all, you know, I, I number one, I appreciate uh, with the work that the subcommittee's been doing since about January. And I appreciate uh, Vice Mayor Cooney, you know, that you, you know, brought this up for further discussion tonight and Perhaps what I'm saying uh, is a bit repetitive of some of the comments that have been made, Uh, but I do not disagree at all with any of the comments that we've talked about in terms of the need for transformation, the need for uh, creativity, the need for doing things in ways that maybe we haven't been doing things in the past. 100% agree with all that. Personally, I I guess I will just say this is that as a person who was around when we passed that resolution last October uh, I know it may seem like a rush but uh, you know kind of participating in discussions with the county had uh, virtual town halls about it collected some information and, and then you know stepped back away from being directly involved in the work that the subcommittee was uh, commissioner Cunningham and, and vice mayor Griffin and I at that time when it got started and 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 had some new energized folks who wanted to be part of the subcommittee. I, I have to say that I felt, well, hey, it's October or November or December. We're going to have something, you know, something that we think will be helpful to start with, you know, by the summer. And so, I mean, I, I will honestly say, I feel personally a little disappointed about that, that we don't right now. And I'm not casting aspersions anywhere. I know the work is not easy. I I know that you've been experiencing difficult conversations. I think it's, it's ironic that those of us who care the most, you know, who get together in a room, still have to grapple with how to come to a shared approach on this. You would think it wouldn't be that difficult. I do have to say that, that one thing I do bring to the table on this and I have a great deal of concern about, I know that we share this, is that I do think about the time when I worked as emergency medical technician. And I worked on ambulances and I worked in emergency rooms. And the concept of triage was completely part of our training. You need to respond to the most critical immediately to address that in that moment. Not dismissing any of the other work that happens after that. And what my concern is right now, it's triage. I am concerned about the next finger pulling a trigger and a projectile ending up in somebody's body. That is what I'm worried about right now and this is not a fantasy. You know, the opportunities for this occur over and over and over again. And just since we were prepared, you know, to have an item to fund some activity, you know, back at our meeting on June 6th, you know, which we determined not to have on our agenda, you know there have been multiple shootings and many many bullets that have flown around and sometimes hit people and luckily for the most part not hit people but the chance is there so I guess I just want to say to myself as I <laughs> as I pray before I go to sleep every night that we have done everything we can with due speed to make sure to the extent that we can that there's not another grieving mother and repercussions floating through some family that spread out and out and out into the community and down the generations. And if we have an opportunity to avoid that, I'm hoping and praying that we can act on that. I'm hoping and praying. And when we set a million bucks aside, it, w- it was symbolic. I mean, why didn't we choose, you know, $627 or something? We just both chose a million. It was a symbolic action we could take together. That's not the last million that's ever available. You know, this is, as we all talked about, a process of continuing community change in all kinds of areas. And a lot of discussions have to be had with our partners about that. So I'm just saying, from my perspective, for goodness sakes, please, can we deploy this money that has, or some portion of it, we weren't even talking about allocating all the million, it was about a half of it, can we we deploy some of this resource and turn it into real connections with real people who are struggling and might be that likely next shooter or that likely next recipient of the projectile that is deployed by that shooting. So to that, you're suggesting the small groups gonna get back together and talk more come back I applaud that effort I know it's not all just about urgency in the moment but I can tell you that I have a burning desire and commitment that we deploy some of these funds that we allocated you know 8 months ago so that's that so I appreciate the good work let's go forth and do it and uh I'm hoping that, w- that we keep that in mind. Now is the time for commissioner comments. Glad we had this discussion. And anybody wants to start tonight or do you want me to uh, set the order myself?
36: Sure, I'll start. Thank you, Christian. <laughs> so, um, a lot of thoughts, a lot of perspectives, a lot of understandings coming to this crossroad of how do we get things done Um, and I think the best way is to turn to our neighbor and tell them I need you. Wherever we're at, when we can start to understand why I need my neighbor, why I need Chris Prado, why I need you guys in in the audience, why I need my colleagues, why I need my community, we can start to understand how to get to that place of transformation. And, And it is, it is by those transparent discussions those perspectives coming together, my wife says this all the time to me, let's merge our ideas and come up with a solution. It can't just be the way you think you want it, Esto. I'm like, okay, babe, fine, all right, I get you, right? And I say the same thing to her, and we never get nowhere. But when we come together in unity, understanding we need each other because the very thing that connects us all together is the very DNA that we have as human beings. When we can honor that in one another that the humanity that everyone exhibits is super important and that everybody where they stand has intrinsic value, then we can make a difference. And so I, I, I stand for doing this work in unity, though it's hard, though it's difficult, though it's going to take time, though it's up and down, in and out, in every which way, it's worth being in unity with others. Uh, I once heard this guy say, "If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others." And I want to go with others, so I really, I really hope that our community understands that.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Juarez, Volunteer Number Two. Commissioner Hoffman.
37: Thank you. So I, I really appreciate the. This discussion this evening, uh, and I also want to say that the work is being done. It is being done right now, and I, I I can't lift that up enough. The work is being done, and the work has been done for decades now, over a decade now, and yet here we are. So we have to do something different. And I just wanna convey that to everybody that's listening. The other thing, you know, Kalamazoo is one of those communities that I believe we can be a beacon for our entire nation. We have the resources, we have the creativity, we have individuals who are down and determined to make our community better. And the United States of America, they're watching us. I had an opportunity within the last two weeks to to speak to the city of um, Stockton, California, and Charleston, South Carolina. And they wanted to know, how did we do a Homes for All campaign? How did we do a Vote Yes for Kids campaign? How did we pass a housing equity ordinance, uh, chapter 18 18A? How did we do that? And we did that because, one, we had people who were resilient. We had individuals who were determined and dogmatic when it came to serving our community in a deeper way. And so when I say to you all, this community is being watched, I never dreamt that I would have an opportunity to present to Stockton, California, or to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, asking, how do we do what we do in Kalamazoo? When I think about this, this gun violence, the homelessness, the infant mortality, they're watching everything that we're doing. We are already making a mark. On the national level. So let's do what we need to do and not rush into anything, but take what time we have. We have the resources. They're not gonna go anywhere. What we know is we have until December 2024 to have them earmarked. Let's do something tremendous where everybody can understand and feel the effects of the love and the commitment that we have as a 54th commission and not just check a box. Let's do something deep. Let's get uncomfortable because in that tension, we grow stronger.
4: So thank you all.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Hoffman. And who would like
4: to go next? Commissioner Hess. I'll go. Uh, Yes and yes. And thank you to my fellow commissioners for for lifting that up. As you were talking, I, I was reminded of Irshad Manji's words at a meeting prior today who said, she's never seen a place like Kalamazoo and she believes that we are the can-do community. Um, and she believes that as we do this DEI work, and the, for e, for her, the E is not just equity, but empathy. Um, so as we do our DEI work and the moral courage project that's, that she's bringing forth to Kalamazoo and to uh, to our, our, our city, um, I think that, we do have an opportunity to do things at the national level. And, and I do think that we are great. We can, we have that creativity here. We have that spirit here. Um, that said, uh, for the Asylum Lake folks, um, I, I would ask that our, our city staff uh, reach out and, and work with the city manager's office, with WMU, with uh, with ALPA and city staff to work on this issue. Um, it's probably not gonna go away, but I know that those bike lanes were made for a reason. Uh, I know that, that uh, speeds have decreased at least two miles an hour along Winchell because of them. So I'd like to see us move forward with our neighborhood plans with care and commitment. Um, and that, uh, on our, on our um, consent agenda, uh, it, it was kind of glossed over, but it was pretty uh, inclusive during in, in the packet. Was developer Jamari Bogan. I want to thank him for for really committing to building a transformative project, affordable market rate um, on on the north side. And so uh, those are the kind of things that sometimes get uh, glossed over and and. Uh, not really talked about and not noticed, but Jamari is doing some great things in this community on behalf of of people and housing. So thanks to him. And then last of all, welcome to Brandy Janes. I really want to welcome her to our community. And uh, as, as Mayor said, I really hope she never has to put her plans into action. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Hess.
4: I yield my time.
2: You yield your time? Commissioner Prado.
34: All right. Um, just want to echo again, great work tonight as a as a team here. And yeah, when I say team, entire city staff and community um, passed a community sustainability plan. You know, I have to believe there was some intentionality when they titled that community sustainability plan, not city commission, you know, sustainability plan or city, you know, s- sustainability plan, because when it comes down to it every one of the six, 660 plus members of the staff at the city of Kalamazoo are gonna have to be actively engaged in the success of that plan. And somehow gonna touch it. But the reality is, is the real success and magic is gonna come when every one of us in the community you know, keeps our hands on it, keeps our hands on the pulse, and keeps moving it forward. Um, you know, here tonight, we this kind of gotten overlooked with all the important things we talked about tonight, but we passed 1.1 million dollars in 0% loans to create over 70 units of uh, of, um, mostly afford- affordable housing for senior housing downtown, mixed use housing on Frank Street, thanks to Jamari Bogan, infill building uh, property, bu- um, property that we purchased in Oakwood and Edison to build more um, homes. How awesome is that? That's awesome. We passed $2.1 million in youth programming uh, in just a month's time to inject that starts right now. Um, we heard from the eye paramedics uh, consultants who came in here earlier, and I just love these like positive things you hear from people because usually when consultants come in, you think, uh-oh, what are they gonna say to us about what we're doing wrong? But but the quote that they used, they said, they said the city of Kalamazoo is, quote, more advanced than similarly situated cities. And the reason they guided that, and they said that in that report, is because we were one of the few communities they've worked with nationwide. She, she said that Kennedy, which happy birthday, Kennedy, <laughs> who was here as a consultant, uh, said that out of all the communities, the dozens of communities she works with, very few of them have even taken the time to prioritize what do we wanna focus on with our ARPA money, rescue plan dollars. And we did that a long time ago. You know, we said, we're gonna focus on the things that we took action on tonight. Youth, housing, infrastructure, safety. What am I forgetting here? Economic development, thank you. (laughs) I know. Um, So, you know, hats off. Got a lot of work to do, but we definitely have a lot that we need to also celebrate as community. Um, to the folks who all showed up and drove uh, tonight and have been reaching out to us from the Asylum Lake Preserve, hats off to you. There, the Asylum Lake Preserve is a special, special, magical place. I, it is one of the most common places that, in best memories, I have with my three small children. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the individuals here tonight, Lori and her husband. Uh, you know, regularly run into my, my wife and kiddos while they're out there during the day hiking. And, you know, it's easy to understand why there's the passion there to f- to fight for something that you really believe in. Um, you know, I applaud you for that level of care, but it's amazing to me how something, sometimes the most simple things can be the most complicated. And, you know, one of the asks I would just ask is if there's any possibility that city staff can re-engage uh, to meet with this I Am Lake, uh, you know, board or, Western or whoever it is just to kind of keep coming to the table to talk this through and try to find some opportunity to find compromise here because I know uh, if we can compromise on, come up with a compromise and figure out how to do something serious about gun violence, I'm pretty sure we can figure out a way to make sure that five people can park on the side of an entrance. Um, So that's all I've got tonight. Thanks everybody.
2: Thank you Commissioner Pradel. Vice Mayor Cooney.
34: So um, Mayor, I I hear what you're saying
6: and I share your passion. We have to stop the bleeding, but I also hear commissioner Hoffman and I hear commissioner Juarez and I hear a lot of other people and somehow we got to put these two things together. And, um, that's the challenge that we face. Both things are real and we have to do them. Second thing is I don't think that the community plans are like the 10 commandments. They can't be changed. And from what I'm hearing tonight, i think that we should put those parking spaces back on winchell i'm all for that third thing <laughs> the third thing is that um i am totally supportive of passing a resolution in for uh, for medicare for all and i'm asking that that be on the on the agenda for the next city commission meeting
2: Thank you, Vice Mayor Cooney. I want to uh, thank our city team. I would encourage people to take a moment uh, to look over the agenda. I really appreciate uh, years ago, I used to spend a lot of my time in my commissioner comments, pulling up all the items that were on our consent agenda that we didn't talk about, because we're on a consent agenda. just to remind people the things that do happen. So thank you, Commissioner Pradle, for doing that. But those things do not happen without uh, a whole team that we work with here that that does this work every single day. And I want to make sure that every individual that is employed that works here at the city of Kalamazoo understands that we recognize that work. I was, uh, and that includes our public safety department, that includes public services. But I do wanna say something in particular because it's interesting no matter what is going on in the world, what sometimes do I hear about the most when you're talking about local government? The state of the streets. And and people are most likely to stop me and, and point out to me that there's a bad pothole here or there. and. I was driving by a couple of uh, members of our city team out the other day, <coughs> excuse me, with their hot patch and their shovels, and it was warm. And uh, they were doing what, you know, on the face of it is the unglamorous work of filling the potholes that our weather creates for us every single year. And so I just want to say, I don't know what their names were, but. I slowed down and I said thank you and I'm not sure, they looked at me like, who is this person anyway? But I meant it and I'm just extending that thank you to every single person who's doing this important work that we ask them to do from here on the dais. thank you for filling potholes I love you Kalamazoo we're adjourned